just looking for now, Frankenstein? I know I'd go from rags to riches. Why, a four-year-old child could understand this report. Run out and find me a four-year-old child. I can't make head or tail out of it. Baravelli, you've got the brain of a four-year-old boy, and I bet he was glad to get rid of it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Your List Luck Top 100. Tonight, we're getting into the top 20s, or top 30s, I guess. We're going to be talking about the, the, the 20s on their list. Um, Amaru! What's up? Last week, you got your long-awaited victory. Does the streak continue tonight? You know what? I'm pretty confident. I have a shot. There is one movie, one movie that I'm worried might derail me, but just the one. After that, I feel like my list is pretty, pretty damn strong. It just depends on everybody else. All right. Uh, Jake, you were a second place uh, finisher last week. Uh, how do you like your chances tonight? Uh, I don't want to jinx it, but I'm aiming for either second or third. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's all no, about realistic uh... goals. <laughs> uh, Spence, you are a third place finisher? Nope. Yeah, 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 you are. Spence. No, I thought I was last. I, okay. No, I'm I getting last this last. week. I'm always, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable knowing that I am probably dead in the water for the rest of the show. Uh, Scott, the, uh, the bottom finally fell out. Uh, last it, week, it did. I was expecting it. Um, I think it'll be a little bit better tonight. I don't know if I'm going to get back to my winning ways, um, but I think we weathered the storm last week, and uh, and we'll see what happens tonight. All right. Yes. Let's see what happens. Okay. Tonight, finally, everybody gets to talk about everything. Everybody's going to comment on all their movies, but since this is such a talkative group, what Loquacious. we're going to do? What we're Good word. That's, that's a good way to put it. Uh, nice way to say it. Uh, what we're going to do is you're going to talk about your bottom three, your 30 to 28. I'll say my piece. And then everybody gets 30 seconds. 30 seconds each to talk about all three of those movies, however you want to spend that time you can. Caleb has his finger on the shut up button. Shut up! You will know exactly when your time has expired. If you don't concede your time before you're done talking. So let's get right into it. Uh, Scott, going to start with your number 30. All right. My number 30, first Tarantino film on my list, The Kill Bill, Volume 1. Yikes. All right. All right. My 29 is Hitchcock's Rear Window. Uh, yikes. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think I'll be talking about this one. Uh, my number 28 uh, I'm glad Spence only gets 30 seconds. It's another Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's textbook pandering. Um, yeah, so this currently sits as my third favorite Tarantino film, and it could easily be my second, I think, with time. Uh, I absolutely love this movie, and I love it more with each time that I watch it. I think it's definitely a, a movie that improves on uh, rewatches. Um, 
it's just a great hangout movie. And what I love about Tarantino's movies in general are is like he just has such a joy about the way that he makes films, even when, you know, his movies are crude and violent and can get pretty dark at some times. Um, you know, he always has like that show off quality about his filmmaking. Like, let, let's just do some fun stuff here because I love making movies and I know you love um, watching these movies. Um, and once upon a time in Hollywood is basically just him going full in on that instinct. Like I, he, he just makes like the most joyful film that he um, I think is capable of making um, because he's, you know, he's doing the historical revisionism thing again. I love the way that um, he breathes new life into the figure of Sharon Tate, right? Like somebody who we only know in the context of their death. And he, you know, shows de depicts her living a, uh, normal life in this movie and, you know, even, spoiler alert, saves her from the, the brink of death. Um, and I think the whole whole movie is kind of just a tribute to the power of movies um, and the way that they have like this restorative power. Again, he restores life in a way to Sharon Tate. He, you know, through the whole Rick Dalton and um, Cliff Booth narrative, they're, you know, getting their career restored through these, you know, new movies that they're doing over in Italy. And, um, and it's you know it's it's from a filmmaker who loves movies like more more than anyone this is almost his love letter to movies and you know a lot of his movies have that element in them but this one i think more so than any of them i think leonardo dicaprio gives his best ever performance in this movie i do as rick dalton i think this is the highlight of his career the scene of him freaking out in the trailer is um Amazing. Not a lot of movie stars would do that scene, in my opinion. It takes some bravery. And then the scene with him and Julia Butters, the little girl, like just some of the best writing of Tarantino's career. Um, the movie flies by. It's just so much fun. Um, and honestly, you know, it, it's it's emotional, uh, emotionally satisfying, I think, in the end, especially the Sharon Tate stuff, seeing what he does there. So love this movie. Yeah, this is also my third favorite Tarantino um, I just think this is his, uh, I think there's so much more passion in this movie than anything he's done. Probably, the, you know, the back half of his career, uh, the, the look and the, I just love the way this movie sounds like the ambient sound, the cars and the TV commercials and, you know, the stuff running in the background, the music on the radio, uh, is just so great. The way it looks like the scene where he's driving, you know, of, of, uh, Cliff Booth just driving from, uh, the house, you know, from one place to the other, uh, I could watch that for two hours just the way that looks and the way that sounds um i just love the setting just the way that the, the city's a character the time period's a character uh is so good uh i, I like what they do share tate just everything she represents in this movie like you said i think margaret robbie's really good in the in the role um yeah i love this movie i i don't know when people say this too long i don't talk about it. i remember i went to see this and i've said this before People are like, it's good, but it gets boring, and you know, it's it's going to get rough towards the end. And I remember sitting there watching, like, oh man, I it sucks. This is going to get boring because I'm having so much fun with it. And then you know, I'm just waiting for it to get bad. Wait for it, and then the movie is over, and I loved it. And it felt like I was I was in the theater for like an hour and forty five minutes. Um, it just it's it yeah, this is fantastic. It's 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 very watchable, like you said. Um, nobody else had this. I'm thinking about rescinding Spence's time, but I guess. Since two, the two other movies were like, you get a whole 30 seconds apiece for uh, for just Once Upon a Time. Uh, Jake, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, this is Tarantino's uh, warmest movie. Uh, 
And uh, you might look at my list. I have a bunch of like uh, fucked up uh, items on my list. You might think, oh, Jake probably liked the part where there's all the violence and shit. Actually, almost like the movie, despite that, in a way where I really like the bittersweet ending of saving Sharon Tate and stuff. Uh, but part of me question, I, even though I think the movie's a masterpiece, I kind of wonder if it was necessary to put himself into that violent box at the end uh, after being such a beautiful movie. Um, first time I watched this film, I thought it was spectacularly mediocre. Second time I watched this film, it improved to spectacularly okay. It's a movie. It's cool. But I was just like, what did I sit here for the last two and a half hours to watch? I usually like kind of day in the life films. And I like this film enough. I just was like, eh, okay, sure. All righty then. That's, that's what I left off with. All right, Spence, be careful. This is Tarantino, arguably his most hateful and angry. This movie is violent for no fucking reason. The screenplay doesn't work. It balances two plots that really don't go together. Your Rick Dalton story is actually sort of deep and decent, even though he's a pedophile, and Tarantino sort of supports it and endorses it. And then the Sharon Tate stuff is really not connected to the story at all. It's just sort of fucking there. This is his worst movie by far and is a fucking travesty, and I hate few films as much as it. All right, that's it. In this essay, I will... That's a, I, that's a terrible. Take. I want to come in for five seconds and say that Spence did that in nineteen seconds, and that's actually really impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Coho. Give me ten seconds back. <laughs> no. no. Uh, all right. Uh, so okay. we just said about one move there, Spence. Let's do your bottom three. My number thirty is Chicago. <laughs> After that, wait, Scott, say yikes before sunset. Yikes. Thank you. My And my 28 is once. I talked about Chicago earlier today with Coho, and I stand by it. This movie is very frenetic, which I think most people would say is, is negative. I think it's really fun. I think it adds like 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 a like a frantic pace to the musical that I think sort of builds the world around it. I love Renee Zellweger. I love Catherine Zeta-Jones. Richard Gere is a mixed fucking bag, but he's good in parts until he starts dancing he's a really good singer though uh this movie's just a lot of fun it's a musical i find myself revisiting a lot just because again, like, i think the tone of it is very like it's inviting even in such a harsh environment where all the characters besides amos who's a fucking saint are assholes and shitty and it's so engaging and every song is a banger they cut the songs that didn't matter or the, the, the songs that like aren't as entertaining they're on the soundtrack not in the movie the, all the ones in the movie though fucking fan I've seen this like in four or five times, and each time I'm just like, I don't get the hate. I'm always I come back like maybe I was wrong last time. No, I love this movie to fucking pieces. And once, and once, one of the most like casually heartbreaking movies ever. It's just like, oh hey, it's a cute like it's, it's a meet cute, you know, just like guy who's a musician, group musician, they fall in love. No, they're both really depressed and dealing with trauma, and they actually don't even fucking get together, which is maybe the best part of the movie, where they can just sort of like, yeah, feelings can be complicated, and you don't need to force a romantic relationship between a guy and a girl. What are their names in the movie? Uh, I'm not going to read your shit, Paul, right now. This is just so endearing that you can create such like, like an oppressive environment of just people going through like the real-life shit and like the pain at all. And it still sort of just wants to like brings you back in more. I said it unlogged it and I and I stand by. Everyone loves falling slowly. Say it to me now is one of the most heartbreaking performances in any film of all time. One of the best musical numbers and sequences ever. 
I this is an incredible piece of film that is somehow not a musical, but I call it a musical anyways. It's a great music film. How dare you say everything <laughs> you just said about what's a fun time in Hollywood and then follow it up directly by raving about Chicago. I'll double down, motherfucker, just... try me. <laughs> Chicago's terrible. This is one of the worst musicals I've ever seen. Um, the cast, their, their their lack of talent varies, um, but none of these people should be in a musical. Watching this, like, watching the way they move and dance, when my daughter was, like, four years old, she did dance, they did dance recitals, and they had them do, like, very limited... They were four years old, so there was, wasn't much they could do. So you put them out there. You, so there's a lot of this and a lot of spinning. And that's what this movie reminded me of. Like the cast was so limited in what they were capable of that they just were like, John C. Ryan, like him doing Mr. Cellophane, like literally like this is his entire thing. The entire time was that's, this is what I could do. I could do jazz hands. So I'll do that for the whole song. Yeah. Um, this movie sucks. It's edited terribly. Richard Gere. You said he could sing. I don't know what dub you were listening to where they put somebody else's voice in beside Richard Gere because he is garbage in this movie. He is trash in this movie. Um, yeah, the, the, I read somewhere he took three months of tap dancing lessons for what he does in this movie, like barely lift his feet up and down. It's pathetic. Um, Richard Gere is, has never been more carved out of I mean, the guy's always carved out of wood, never more so than this movie. Um, yeah, there's nothing good about it. Wor worst Best Picture uh, winner that I've ever seen. How this won so many Oscars, I have no clue. Uh, on the flip side, Once is a very good movie. Uh, I really like this. I enjoy movies that don't put any kind of uh, expectation on the relationship, and it doesn't have to become a certain thing. Uh, it's like just what, sometimes people just meet for a little bit, and they're in each other's lives for a reason, and then it's over, and they move on. And it's sad, uh, but it works really well in this movie. Um, the leads are great. The music is fantastic. Um, yeah, I really, this is one, this is a Kirk and Kathy movie that we could both sit down and enjoy equally, um, which is a rare, rare thing. Um, but yeah, I love Once. Okay, everybody else, you got 30 seconds for Chicago and Once. Use your time as you choose. Scott, we'll start with you. Chicago. It's fine. It's not a terrible movie. I, I don't think it is. No way should it have won Best Picture. I actually think the opening number, though, Catherine Zeta-Jones, who's obviously the best part of the movie, is pretty fantastic. Uh, the, all that jazz number. It goes downhill after that. And yeah, Richard Gere is, is bad in it um, and not a believable lawyer. Uh, and Once is lovely. Uh, I love all of John Carney's movies. Um, I would watch him do these sort of the power of music movies uh you know for years so i hope he makes a new one soon this is a great one all right uh Amaro, let's do you next i've never seen once uh, but y'all remember back when a uh, million dollar baby was brought up and i had mentioned that i have a deep seething hatred for that movie i don't remember why it's just when i watched it um i remember hating it and never wanting to see it again there's only one movie that tops that and it's fucking chicago i watched that movie and i was like what the fuck am I doing? Never again. I will never go back and tell you why I hate this movie, but I hate it with all of my entire soul. Plus, now he's pandering. deserves better. So, and Jake. Uh, yeah, I'd say that it's the best Rob Marshall movie, Chicago, which is very faint praise. Uh, and yeah. uh, once 
I uh, actually preferred the sequel two times. So it's the title of the sequel. I thought they should have called hurt. it twice. I th I thought they should have called it twice, though. I I did think that. All right. I thought uh, it was right there. They could have just. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> All right, we're, we're moving through this pretty good, guys. You're doing a good job. Uh, Aubrey, give me your 30 through 28. All right, uh, my number 30 is Toy Story 3. Uh, my 29 is Inglorious Bastards. That's a yikes to a future episode. Shout out to my manager. Uh, and 28 is Trading Places. All right, uh, Toy Story 3. Um, this movie is, it's, it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. It is, it is, um, uh, hilarious. It brings the, together the cast very well. Um, it has a endearing story. It's heartbreaking like three, four, five times at the end, really getting to think about the things you leave behind, what it means to grow up, uh, what it means to be a family together with everybody. Um, I love the additions of Michael Keaton as uh, Ken, I don't know who did Barbie, but I love Barbie in this. Um, all of the additional toys, even though they don't get as much time, they all bring something that still keeps uh, the entire uh, movie and franchise fresh. Um, and uh, Mr. Potato Head as Mr. Tortilla Head is pretty, pretty damn hilarious. Um, and everybody sheds a tear at the furnace scene. Uh, I absolutely adore this film. Um, I think it's great. Uh, and then training places. There are times where I really believe training places is Eddie Murphy's funniest movie. And it's always when I watch it. I think Billy Ray Valentine is one of the, I think it is his most hilarious character when he gets lifted up and the legs come down and he's like, my legs are back. Uh, when he starts fronting in the jail, my favorite scene is the train scene. When he comes in as the exchange student from Cameroon, Merry New Year! And George Carlin once said that anything is funny if you do it right. And this movie does one big no-no very right. That scene with blackface makes it stupid and hilarious. And when him and Dan Aykroyd come together, I laugh my ass off. I think this movie is just up and down, hilarious. The whole bit with the $1 bet. Jamie Lee Curtis uh, is perfect in her role. Um, and just, again, another revenge tale that is just extremely funny. Uh, you love majority of the characters. I love uh, uh, Randolph and Mortimer's um, continuation in another movie from there. Um, I, I just think Trading Places is a, is a gem. All right. Uh, Toy Story 3, probably my favorite in the franchise. Um, I really love this movie. I think it does this story that I, th I feel like the last three Toy Story movies kind of all tell the same story. I think this one does it best. Um, I think uh, I just love how it's the first half of it is basically a prison movie. Uh, I think that's just a really cool take is they make the 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 daycare as a prison for the toys uh, i think lotso is a great villain uh, ned Beatty does a great job of the voice yeah the new characters are great the old characters how they use them really cool um you know i love uh the way they use bonnie and just how it's like a different type of play 
than what Andy was and just different uses for toys. Uh, I think that's a really uh, interesting take on it. Um, yeah, the furnace scene, like I remember watching this, I'm like, I honestly believe that one of those characters might die in that moment. Um, it, was, it was just great. Yeah, just such a strong emotional story, just like really top tier Pixar as far as just tugging on the heartstrings, not being overly like sentimental, uh, but just very like real and emotional. And uh, so, yeah, good pick there. Trading Places. Yeah, this is definitely, I mean, I think this is peak Eddie Murphy, peak Dan Aykroyd. I think they're just both at, like firing all cylinders here, both doing what they do best. Um, you know, Eddie doing all that stuff like you talked about. And then Aykroyd is playing like the, the snobbish rich guy. Uh, I think he does that really well. Um, it's been a while. So I honestly forgot about the blackface. And I haven't seen this in so long. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, this is, this is a really solid, just great, like mid to early uh, 80s comedy. Uh, just one of those really, really, really strong ones. Um, so everybody else now gets 30 seconds for Toy Story 3 and Trading Places. Uh, let's start with Jake this time. Uh, yeah. Uh, Toy Story 3 I saw in the it's 2010 so I was in like the 10th grade which uh, we call in Canada grade 10 but once I heard that uh, Americans call it 10th grade I was like I can't go back to calling it grade 10 now it sounds stupid but yeah I went home and like cried the shower over that movie so uh, I really enjoyed it but it's not my favorite Toy Story movie anything on trading places oh uh, no attachments I'm moving around sorry Uh, Spence have not seen Trading Places. I've been all my time talking about Toy Story 3 and how it's fine. Uh, it's right at that point where I my picture knowledge is a little bit shaky. I'm just like, it's sort of there. I don't really having any strong emotions to it. Maybe because I saw when I was like 11 and didn't get to like mature into the characters like everyone else did. But it's just sort of there. Toy Story 2 is the best by far and everything else is just like, I get it. But like, does it have a singing penguin? No. Spencer, you're really fucking young. Yeah. <laughs> um, I unfortunately have not seen Trading Places either. Um, yeah, I know. Toy Story 3 is actually, it's probably my least favorite, but that's not to say that it's like not a very good movie because all of the Toy Story movies are very good movies. I think this one is just a little too similar to 2 for me, plot-wise, and I do like 2 more. Um, but the last 20 minutes or so of this, um, you know, movie are perfect. And I was definitely the right age to where, like, you know, I grew up with, um, you know, the the toys. And I, I was 15, 16, I guess, when this movie came out. So I was getting to that point where I was about to leave home. And so the ending really hits hard. Great movie, though. All right. Uh, Jake, it's down to you for your uh, 30 through 28. What do you got? No one tell Kathy. Just need to know. At uh, 30, I have The Godfather Part 2. Wow. Really? It, I feel so stupid to be like, ah, oh, The Godfather 2. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. <laughs> uh, number 29, uh, Blade Runner 2049. In my favorite movies. <laughs> And then uh, at 28, Empire Strikes Back. Wow. All right. Oh, how Easy. <laughs> Really? Okay. Uh, Godfather Part 2. I wasn't really ready to talk about this movie. I was just about to say, though, that uh, <laughs> it feels silly, like, putting The Godfather Part 2 on, like, a list of movies and then just putting a bunch of shit that I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, it's my favorite movie above The Godfather 2. <laughs> 
Uh, just uh, like yesterday, there was a wasp in my house, and uh, I started. Uh, my wife said she spotted a wasp, but I started yelling like Michael Corleone that like in my house, like <laughs> where my children sleep, like you know, like that. <laughs> it's a great movie. Uh, yeah, I don't know what is, else is there to say about The Godfather Two. So much, but I'm gonna move on. Good game. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Blade Runner uh, 2049. So, uh, Spence, uh, you yikes this earlier? Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) This movie, uh, weirdly, um, I loved this movie when I saw it on the big screen. I was just like in awe the whole time. Uh, I actually like this better than the Ridley Scott original, which was a hard thing to come to terms with. Actually, I was like, Nah, like it's it's Blade Runner. You can't make a sequel to Blade Runner that's you like more than Blade Runner. You know, some other guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this movie actually opened up for me pretty recently. When I was reading, there was backlash. Uh, to this movie about the treatment of uh, female characters. It led me to think about the movie a little bit. You frozen? Action putting. There oh. he goes. There he goes. You're frozen for a minute. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's um, something really interesting about uh, this corporation putting value on a woman based on her ability to reproduce and all the various roles that these uh, android female characters are mistreated. It's uh, like almost handmaidens, uh, handmaidens tale, like uh, in a way when, uh, I could talk about this forever, but yeah. Blade Runner 2049. Empire Strikes Back. Hold on, hold on. Scott, you had you had or uh Uh, had this. Go ahead, take your full you can take all your time for this that you had on the list. I agree. It's better than the original because original is poorly paced and boring and not really building up to much, and it's sort of like inconsequential and doesn't do it all. Anyway, this is a fucking epic of storytelling. I feel like everyone's gonna just move on. Like all the Denis Villanelle fans are gonna move on, like, oh hey, Doom's bad. He's like, nah. This is it. This is my shit right here. So I think it's so it's so interesting, especially for me. Shake a movie and basic and not like do like single handle world building, single handed world building, but he adds so much to the original Blade Runner while also still explaining it. So you can sort of see it without the first, and you still like sort of get introduced to the world in a very good way. And he takes it and he takes his time with the story. And he introduces the weird shit of like the um the prophecy which, which doesn't build to anything and the idea of like creating memories with uh, the one character whose name I forget. And so like there's a, and it, it all sort of coming together. It doesn't feel like it should work, but with, with the amazing performances and with like, I think underrated Sylvia hoax as a villain is a fantastic. I think she's forgotten about since the film's release and she's fantastic in what she does. It's one of my favorite like sci-fi worlds ever created and I think that Villeneuve sort of created like a masterwork of storytelling, being able to create such a, such a complex universe. And it's still very easy and simple to understand because of like the inherent heart and being involved and being engaged with a character who doesn't really feel much, at least on the surface. So I think that's just incredible what he did. Right on, man. Yeah, exactly. Screw <laughs> your rules. All right. Then you can go with your 28, Jake. Okay, uh, Empire Strikes Back. I'm surprised. This is, no, this is the best Star Wars movie, in my opinion. Uh, it's the most adult of the Star Wars movies, easily. Um, 
everything uh, iconic about Star Wars is basically in this movie. It doesn't misstep once. The Han and Leia relationship is actually like so hyped up. It seems like something that could be overhyped. And uh, I think that the storyline and uh, John Williams score with the Han and Leia and the uh, just how uh, operatic everything becomes with uh, Luke and and uh, Darth Vader and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. There's a big <laughs> twist <laughs> in this movie. Uh, yeah, I think this is. Um, if I love Yoda, the way that Yoda is introduced, um, Yoda fake out is like uh, I think Brad Bird said that that's his favorite Yoda. Is Yoda is fake out Yoda? Uh, so that's I just find that interesting. That's all I. Uh, <laughs> I'd say what I'm posting. Okay, um, Godfather Two. I've talked about a ton. This is obviously you know in my top ten. Uh, such a, such a great movie. I had to rewatch this. I rewatched this a couple times for trivia the, uh, over the past month or so. Um, and just the way you watch. Uh, you watch the two stories, uh, Michael and Vito. It's almost like they're going in op- opposite directions. One's like one is rising and one is falling, and you know, so you, what starts the bottom, what starts the top, and they just they just meet. And like it just it's just um, the way it ends with it, it, it's uh, it's it's so. I can go on for about it forever, I, and I kind of have. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about it too much, but um, I still like one better. Uh, but this, the more I watch this. Um, is the, the supporting cast is fantastic, so good, so many strong performances. Um, you know, Lee Strasberg, uh, Michael Michael uh, Gallo, uh, yeah, just going on. Such a good movie. Uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is uh, I still like the original Blade Runner better, but I think this is a great sequel. I think it's a great continuation story. I think it expands the mythos. I love what they do, how they you know get more into the whole thing with the. Uh, with the uh the replicants and everything uh sorry uh paul i got like 15 different movies in my head right now um i i love dave batista's cameo in this i think he's uh so this is like i'm like oh that dude could actually act uh he was so good in this um my biggest problem with it is uncanny valley sean young uh people talk about <laughs> people talk about uh tarkin in rogue one not enough people talk about her in this movie because she looks terrible that was such a that, that that just completely sucked me out of it. Um, but everything else, I think Harrison Ford is perfectly used in this. Uh, the cinematography obviously is just mind blowing. Um, so yeah, it's not my top one hundred, but I completely respect uh, it being in yours. Um, and Empire Strikes Back, I totally agree. It's by far head and shoulders above any other Star Wars movie. I think other Star Wars movies are great for Star Wars movies. I think this is just a great, great movie. Uh, it's again. This one is the best looking Star Wars movie. I think the, the you got that starkness of just the Hoth Winterscape, and then when they go to uh, Bespin and they have uh, you know the, just that scene in the in the in the chamber with the blues, the oranges, and Vader's. That's my single favorite shot in a Star Wars movie is uh, Vader standing there and with the, just the silhouette and he ignites a lightsaber uh, before the fight starts. Uh, so great, yeah. The Yoda puppet. The Yoda puppet is amazing. Just the fact that they was able to make they were able to make that work. Just um, the puppetry and the voice uh, from Frank Oz, so good. Uh, yeah, 
So everybody else now, we get 30 seconds. Go talk about three movies. You, you owe me some explanations. You don't have Godfather 2. This is hilarious. You don't have Empire. <laughs> you got 30 You got thirty seconds <laughs> to make your excuses. Uh, Spence, will start with you this time. Good luck, guys. <laughs> I have a good defense for not liking The Godfather Part 2. It's just long, and I have ADHD, so I'm just like, long movie? Eh. That's really about it. No real complaints about it. I do really like the Vito story more than the Michael at times, but I think they balanced out more on my second rewatch recently. Uh, I can spend more time talking about Empire, which is like either my second, third, or fourth favorite Star Wars, depending on the day. Uh, the, the big thing for me is I actually really don't like the Han and Leia relationship. I think Han's a bit of a creep in it, and we sort of just look past because it was the 80s. But other than that, that wasn't 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm that sorry. was exactly 30 seconds. Don't test me. <laughs> All right, Scott. Um, yeah, so I only put one movie per franchise on my list, basically, except for one one exception, which is my favorite trilogy. Again, I've already established that. So Godfather Part Two is not my favorite Godfather, Godfather movie. That's why it's not on the list. Um, but it's, you know, technically an amazing movie. Empire Strikes Back is my number two Star Wars movie, but I already talked about my number one Star Wars movie. Blade Runner 2049, I really like it a lot. It seems like a movie that I wouldn't like, but again, Denis Villeneuve, I think, is able to always find the emotional undercurrent in these big epics that really is what draws me in. So it's a great movie. And... 2020 was my the year I first watched Goodfellas and first watched Godfather Part Two. Goodfellas kind of showed me that I'm not a gangster field type dude. Godfather Part Two, Part Two proved it to me. Objectively amazing, but I, not my kind of movie. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, long, cool. The Empire Strikes Back. I am as much as I'm the geek person. I do OG Star Wars again. Objectively good. It's it's not my jam. Like I can, it's better than Rogue One, but I like Rogue One a lot more. Um, so that's really it. It's it's just these things are not the films I go back to um, or I enjoy as much, even though they are objectively amazing. All right, uh, we made it through the bottom three pretty painlessly. You guys handled that well. I'm proud of you. Uh, <laughs> now we're gonna get back into our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, Scott, uh, let's start with the the media order here, at number twenty seven. All right, my number 27 is uh, the Vim Vendors film, Paris, Texas. Yeah, so Vim Vendors is mainly known for being a documentarian, and this movie does have a very realistic-like quality about it. It's about a guy named Travis who appears in the desert one day after he's been missing for, I think, a couple of years. I forget exactly what the time period is. Um, and he's picked up by his brother, played by the now late Dean Stockwell, RIP Dean Stockwell. Um, and the first half of the movie is really about him sort of reconnecting with his brother and his son that it was is still very young, but was even younger when he disappeared. This kid named Hunter Carson plays the kid and is an amazing child performance. Um, and then the second half of the movie is really Travis and his son, uh, you know, sort of, it becomes kind of a road movie and they're traveling really to find the mother of, the child, Travis's ex-flame, basically, who's played by Natasha Kinski and is working in this, like, performance, like, booth for, like, it, it's an entertainment, it's like a gentleman's club type thing, but they go into a booth and they talk to the woman on the phone. Anyway, um, the movie is an amazing, like, deliberately 
paced, but like incredibly emotional movie about this guy just trying to reconnect to society and reconnect to his family. Um, the first half is just like, it's a really sweet movie. Just like uh, watching him reconnect with his son. There's a scene I love where they're walking across the street from each other. It, the kid is leaving school and he's walking down the street and his dad and Travis is walking across the street. And it's just like these little, little moments because Travis is so silent for so long. He's like basically shell-shocked, catatonic. And just watching him grow to be more comfortable with society again and watching his son grow to be more comfortable with this person that he's never really known is beautiful. And then the second half of the movie just hits you with the train. Um, and the, there's one scene at the very end, which is one of the greatest scenes, I think, in a movie ever with uh, when Travis goes into the booth where Natasha Kinski's character is and starts talking into the phone. I don't want to say too much, but she it's a one way mirror. So like she doesn't know who's on the other side, but he starts gradually revealing it to her. And it's the acting by Harry Dean Stanton, who plays Travis. And Natasha Kinski is like just should be taught in all film schools. Like it is masterclass in delivery and, you know, dialogue in facial expression, especially watching her react to his telling of the story is mind blowing. I watched this for the first time this year and it just I was just speechless at the end of it. Uh, it is an absolute powerhouse and it's beautifully shot. It's beautiful in the story that it tells not an e you know not an easy watch it's a long movie it's deliberately paced but um you know i just felt so emotionally fulfilled at the end of this yeah kathy i think you watched like the last half of this with me um i just watched this uh I, i'm glad you had it on the list because i've been wanting to watch it for a while and i finally got around to it because of this um and yeah i love this movie it's so good um first thing i know is i'm sitting there watching it i'm like this is like this movie is like looking at a box of crayons and I mean that in the most positive way possible. Like just the use of color in this film, like whether it's outside and yeah. it's natural, natural color or it's indoors. Um, it's, it's all, you know, lighting, it just so organic and the way the colors are contrasted. Um, there's a scene where it's storming and it just looks like it's black and white for a couple minutes. Uh, there's so much, uh, there's so much uh, just visually to feast upon in this movie. And, yeah, the performance is great. Harry Dean Stanton is great. Uh, great. Um, yeah, Dean Stockwell dying this week made me so mad, sad because just watching him in this past couple days, and I've loved just recently seeing him in so many movies for the first time. Um, but he's really good. And just the relationship, it's just such an odd situation uh, that the story tells of, you know, what happened to him and how it unfolds. Um, but they play it very naturally and very realistically. And the, the relationship between the father and the son, I think, is played well because it could be either really sappy or just really like tragic, and they and they make the best of it. I think it's played really well. And yeah, those last few minutes, that just those that cut those monologues, uh, you know, with him explain, you know, basically, finally, you know, you get, you get his story. Um, you're waiting so long uh, to 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 find out what happened, and when you finally do, it's so it's so rewarding. So so uh, it's just such a great payoff. Uh, everybody else on Paris, Texas. Never seen it. You know, I see. So I sort of get the Empire Strikes Back, but I really love The Last Jedi. I think it balances its tone of all the future Star Wars. <laughs> <really well. laughs> no, I haven't fucking seen this. Jake. Jake. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen this either. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, uh, then Scott, number 26. 
All right, my number 26. Maybe the greatest guys being dudes movie of all time. Uh, Rio Bravo. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, my favorite Western of all time. Again, what kind of the movie that, um, you know, started the Hangout movie in a way. Um, this movie was kind of like it, it was it was made as a response like to High Noon and High Noon being this thing that like exists on a clock in real time or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's supposed to, to simulate sort of this fast paced thriller where, you know, the entire time you're, um, you know, there's a time limit before these people get to town and there's going to be a big action climax. Rio Bravo is like the inverse where it's the same sort of setup where these people are coming to town to free somebody from jail. Um, but there's no real time happening here that the, the majority of the movie is just the dudes in the town vibing um it's really not about the the plot of you know the trying to stop these people from freeing the criminal from jail i mean that only becomes very relevant at the end uh but you know the the figures at the heart of this you have john wayne as the sheriff um you have um walter brennan in the comedic relief role as stumpy the drunk guy who sits in the jail and um, just you know is kind of a lame legged old man uh, Ricky Nelson is the young gunslinger, Colorado, and Dean Martin probably gives the best performance in the movie as like the guy who's recovering. For, his name's Dude. He's recovering basically from being an alcoholic and is trying to get his groove back and, um, you know, isn't really trusted with a gun and everything for so long. It's just full of these great character moments. Like, I just think this movie has everything in it. Um, it has, you know, just great humor. Um, these wonderful, again, moments of the characters just in the town. Um John Wayne has a romance with Angie Dickinson is this woman named feathers who comes to town that I think really works. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just like a super pure movie. Like the, the iconic scene from this one is just the, the guys in the jail the night before uh, you know, the bad guy's going to be coming to town and, you know, they could be in mortal danger and they all just start singing a song. Um, and they have this little sing-along moment for six or seven minutes that, you know, feels like it, it shouldn't be happening based on the context of the movie, but it feels right for these guys and movie that we've seen so far. So um, it's it's a wonderful movie. It's just a fun, super fun watch. Uh, I think it really holds up, um, you know, despite being from the 50s. Uh, and yeah, I don't have too much more to say, except, you know, it's just another hangout movie that I really love and paved the way, I think, for a lot of you know, my favorites. Yeah, this is definitely the, the Western you're going to have on your list. I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's good. Again, I mean, if I'm going to have a Western in my top 30, this is the one I'm going to have. Um, I think you're right. Dean Martin is the the highlight of it. I think his performance is really good. Um, the most heartfelt. But I think the three of them, the three main characters have pretty good uh, chemistry. And I think they're all, you know, fun characters for a Western. Like you said, it's, I don't recall low stakes because the stakes are pretty high, but it's true. It, it almost feels like a, you know, like it's treated like low stakes. Um, but again, like I said, I, it's not, it wouldn't be in my top 10 Westerns, um, but it's, it's a fun movie. Everybody else on Rio Bravo. Nope. I, uh, I don't do Westerns very often. Uh, so I haven't seen this, but if you haven't seen the heart of they fall on Netflix, go watch that. It's fun. It's fun. I it, agree. Yeah! Yeah! I yeah, uh, I've uh, seen this because uh, it's like I it's one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite movies. He always mm -hmm. puts it up on there. I saw this, and actually, after seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it makes a lot of sense that 
the ending of the movie is just some predestined point where we all know the plot has to lead to this one moment. And he's using our knowledge of history rather than using the plot of uh, having to protect this prisoner. Uh, and yeah, that's all I have to say with that. But it's about the journey. Yeah. Yes, it's about the rest of it. All right, Scott, I'm 25. All right, we're doing the super low-key movies tonight. Uh, that's my theme, I think. My 25 is a movie from 2017 called Columbus. Uh, yeah, de the definition of a hidden gem. This movie is made by this South Korean-American uh, video essayist named Koganada. Um, and it's just one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen, both visually and um philosophically emotionally what's going on in the movie again it's this super low-key movie it's set in this town in indiana that is known for like it's striking postmodern architecture um john cho plays this guy jen who comes back to the town after having been away for several years he grew up there his dad is um an architect a really famous architect who's in the hospital in columbus and so he comes back to care for his dad who he's had a complicated relationship with and he meets Haley lou richardson who plays casey this young um you know 20 something girl who works at the library has dreams of being an architect and getting into architecture but is kind of trapped in this small town where she's grown up and her mother has a drug addiction is recovering from that um and uh, that's kind of keeping her there so that you see these people it's sort of two very opposite inverse stories kind of that come together at this particular time and it's about their spontaneous connection um in this small town with the backdrop of all this amazing architecture um i mean that every this is one of those movies where every shot could be like a painting um but i do love like the simple very low-key very understated story um about these two people again they're trajectories like intersecting at the right time in both of their lives and them sort of contemplating on what their future is going to be and sort of in their connection in being open with each other um learning from each other and maybe getting the courage to do something with their future that um, they would not have otherwise done without this connection yeah paul mentions the scene of casey dancing it's a great moment because the rest of the movie is so low-key and understated and then but you feel like this frustration and everything rising up in Casey and there's a scene where she sees her mom and, um, you know, she thinks that her mom basically has gone back off the wagon, um, is not answering her phone. And she just, to get all that frustration out, she just like turns on the headlights of the car, puts on this like punk rock song and start, she just starts dancing. I mean, Haley Lou Richardson's performance is absolutely unbelievable in the movie. Um, it's, it's such a shame that she has never become a star because she just lights up the screen and everything she's in, even some bad movies that she's been in. Um, but this is her, this is her defining role for me. John Cho is, I think is always great in dramatic roles as well. Um, I just really hope that people will check this out because it's just a beautiful, again, slice of life. If you like those spontaneous connection movies, kind of like the before trilogy, kind of like brief encounter, you know, all that jazz. Uh, Columbus is a recent example that I think is is a really special movie, and I hope that uh, or I can't wait for Coconut's next movie, which is supposed to be coming out within the next year. Or so, I had not heard of this movie until you put it on the list, um, and I went and watched it, and I really, really like this one. This is another solid first time watch for me. Um, not a lot of drama movies about just platonic friendships that stay platonic friendships. Yeah. And I just love that so much. But it'd be two very different people just coming together. Like I said about what just being what 
just happening to be exactly what they need in their lives at that time. Um, I just love that relationship between them. Like it's just these two people who have nothing in common really shouldn't be friends, but they are just because of their circumstances bring them together. Uh, and I just love that about it and how that relationship develops. And like you said, it's just kind of like two reverse character arcs. Like they just, you know, one starts a certain place with the other, they kind of flip flop at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and yeah, just the, the, I, I also love movies where the city is, uh, a character and when it's a, not, you know, it's, it's a, it's a small city. It's not, you know, it's not New York or Chicago. It's a smaller city and you really get to explore that. They, they, they just spread it out and take their time showing, you know, especially a, a city like this. It's so unique. Um, I think it, it's just great. And yeah. The two leads are, are really fantastic in it. Um, so yeah, this, you're right. This is a hidden gem. I hadn't heard of it, but I'm, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I watch it now. Uh, anybody else? Uh, obviously, from Spence's reaction, they've seen it. But anybody else seen Columbus? Never heard of it until today. Yeah, I've seen Columbus. Oh yeah, Columbus. <laughs> We're talking about Columbus. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's interesting because uh, I think of Coganada uh, as like a film critic, basically. Like those, mm-hmm. um, that's what he's doing with video essays and like deconstructing visual tropes and cinematography. And it's no wonder that he's drawn to like architecture and like since he's so uh, obsessed with like spaces, it seems like. And it's almost like the French New Wave guys were all like film critics turned uh, filmmakers. That's what it reminds me of. Uh, Paul reminds me of something too. Rory Culkin's really good. This is a small part. Mm -hmm. I really like him too, just the the few moments he has. And Parker Posey as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this movie is like really slow doesn't have a plot it takes its time has complex themes so i should hate it but i really like it uh the way you know i like it though uh shout out to probably patients watching on the replay i need my toxicroak koga nada uh and i also was thinking about like moving there like long term it seems like a really nice city so like this would be like really impacted me i can't wait to revisit it funny story it took me a while to realize it wasn't columbus ohio because <laughs> everybody's talking about Columbus, like it's this like yeah. small dumpy little city. I'm like, the Columbus is pretty happening. So like, why are they why are they trash in Columbus? And then I realized, oh no, it's Columbus, Indiana. Uh, all right, Scott, what is your number twenty four? Uh, now for something completely different. Uh, the movie that makes me laugh harder than any other movie, Airplane. Uh. I've talked before, I think, maybe even last week when talking about Lego, how, like, I love just the a thousand jokes a minute approach. Um, Because, of course, not everything is going to work uh, comedically when you have that many jokes crammed into a movie. But if there's something you don't like, you only have to wait 10 seconds and there's probably going to be another joke that you find funny. Um, and that, that to me is the ideal comedic approach again, for my taste, because I just feel like movies nowadays, especially mainstream comedies nowadays work so hard just to get one laugh and something like airplane gets three or four in the span of two or three minutes. Um, I know Kirk's writing on his board, dad jokes, the movie, um, which is fine, but they're great dad jokes. Um, and I think I'm not going to go down the Marx Brothers train, but I mean, I like the Marx Brothers like Kurt does, but um, I think that the humor there is fairly similar. Um, that's all I'm going to say. But Airplane is is hilarious. Of course, some stuff doesn't hold up, um, but I think a lot of the gags are still, you know, just just will have you gasping for air. Again, the, the frenetic pace of it all um, really works. 
Um, Leslie Nielsen is just an amazing comedic performance as as the doctor and the way he just takes every single statement literally. Um, <laughs> of course, you could tell me I'm a doctor um, and, you know, don't call me Shirley and all that stuff. Um, there's just so many great gags. I'm sitting here trying to think of my favorites and it's just like it's too hard to, to say because there's I just think there's so many, so many great gags in the movie. Um, yeah, I mean, what is what else is there to say? Like the movie sets out to do one thing and it's to make you laugh incredibly hard and it fully succeeds. I love Airplane. Oh, Scott, you're on such a roll tonight, too. <laughs> you're doing so well. Um, yeah, I, it's, yeah, everybody knows how I feel about this movie. Um, it's easy to put out a thousand jokes a minute when none of them are actual jokes. Um, I'm not going to badmouth, I'm not going to badmouth a movie that works hard to get a laugh when this movie puts like zero effort to it. We're going to light the runway, uh, dump a bunch of lamps on the runway because that's, that's comedy, I guess. And then, uh, you know, just, just they do like the thing like, hey, Saturday Night Fever is a thing. Well, put that in this give me one ticket to chicago smoking oh, or not I hate <laughs> smoking. um i mean there are a couple there are a couple jokes i i like my favorite joke in the movie is the arguing pa announcers at the beginning like about yeah. the, the white and the, the yellow you lines want me to have an abortion yeah yeah i think <laughs> I, I, that that stuff like that makes me laugh but there's so much of this is just what i hate about comedy what people call comedy it's like the worst kind of it just like those lazy jokes and parody um yeah just definitely not for me um, I won't rant too much because I've ran all this before. Everybody else on airplane. This is a movie that should have aged really poorly. And it sort of did, but not as bad as it should have. It's fine. It's there. It's sort of funny. It's better than what Kirk's saying, but it's not as good as Scott's saying. I'm like dead in the middle, but let the record show that Kirk is anti-pun, so he is the villain tonight. Uh, yeah, I just want to say that Airplane has an exclamation point in the title. So can everyone <laughs> say what they said again? I <laughs> Run it back. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, my favorite joke, yeah, is the that, funny that you play that clip. My favorite joke is the, like, drinking problem one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't even have any water in this, so... I've I've never seen this movie in full. I think I've only seen like minute clips at a time for the little jokes. So, yeah. All right. Uh, so we're gonna bounce over to Spence, uh, starting with your number twenty-seven. Yeah, my shoot, my butt box closed. My twenty-seven is a film that's pretty good. Uh, it's Reservoir Dogs. My favorite Tarantino. <laughs> I. You're just thinking. I, I recently, I've been, I've been like realizing, like maybe I don't like Tarantino as much as I probably used to. I used to be one of my favorite directors, and now I'm just like, eh. but I rewatch it's like, no, this is fucking great. I think this is just like a really fantastic screenplay. The idea of is it having a thing happening and working backwards from it, of seeing how how everything got there, it was sort of new to me by the time that I'd actually seen it for the first time, and it still sort of holds that special place in my heart. And I think it's so interesting how he's able to craft like really engaging characters even though you're given like hey don't get close to them don't know anything about them and they're still like whole whole people and not just like caricatures uh, i i i also think i can't he makes it uh fucking you also get like a really really great like lead performance from tim roth of the idea of just like of like 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 he sort of has, he, sort of, he has a timer on him and you know that from the beginning and you find yourself getting drawn in the lives that he creates are so 
so like they, they they trick you as a viewer emotionally. Oh, and the way that Tarantino like develops his backstory as well, like the story in the bathroom, is one of my favorite Tarantino scenes ever. And as you get to the end, it's like this big climax. Like I'm not I'm not like I'm not, I'm not describing it well, but to me, it's it's ever, all the good of the of all the good of Tarantino and a lot of the batch developed in the in the future as a filmmaker isn't quite here yet. There's still some problems, but I think as a whole, it's one of the best. It's one of my favorite screenplays, and I feel I find myself revisiting a lot more than you'd think. Yeah, this is definitely still top tier uh, Tarantino for me. Like, I think about like when I don't watch it for a while, I, I get and I'm away from it. I start thinking like like my memories are kind of fade. And I'm like, ah, it's just like one of those like real like hyper stylized '90s crime movies. And I go back and watch it. I'm like, no, this is fantastic. Every time I see it, it's just so good. Um, this is another one I've talked about a lot, so I won't go about it too much. Um, but one of the things I love is the character development. And I don't know if Tarantino started this, but I think he's the one that really popularized it. Like that idea of just like the, the minutia and like just making these like kind of awful, dangerous criminals real mundane. And just like the, the conversations they have, like the, the beginning, obviously in the, in the uh, diner, but like the, the scene in the classroom where they're getting their nicknames, like what's it going to be Mr. Pink, my way or the highway, like just that stuff. And I think like if we don't have reservoir dogs, we probably don't end up with like Sopranos and stuff like that. Cause it really started that whole idea of these guys being just like almost like not caricatures themselves, but just being like jokes, like not, not to be taken that seriously, regardless of how serious the stuff they're doing is. Um, so I just love that idea that this develops here. And I mean, I know he does a lot more in Pulp Fiction and some other movies, um, but it really starts here. Like you said, great, one of the all-time great, if not the greatest debut film. Um, and just yeah, that storytelling of, you know, you, you get so much information and then stuff slowly starts to unwind. My favorite is uh, when he's practicing the, uh, the scene in the, uh, or he's practicing his speech, his drug deal speech. Just because how the way it starts, like the way that just so many layers that moves through effortly. It's like flashback to flashback to flashback to flashback to like putting him actually in the story. And like it just such a well, the way it maneuvers through it, just so it's so seamless. Uh, it's such a great scene um, and just such a perfect example of his talent. Uh, but yeah, I love Reservoir Dogs, obviously. Everybody else on Reservoir. Does anybody else have this? Oh, okay. Tell me why. Uh, this, this jumped around my top hundred for a while. And then again, I realized I have not seen it enough to like justify where I would put it, but I remember finally watching it and just being like, yep, this is exactly why I like Tarantino. Um, great ensemble piece. The perfect for me, I can take, uh, over stylized. I can take a, a lot more violence. And I was like, this is, this is not over the top, like ridiculous violence. It's, it's over. But it's not like, oh my gosh, why are we doing this? Everything kind of had a purpose, and that Michael Madsen scene is 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 pure beauty and and scariness. Um, uh, it's great film, great film. I I agree with you that uh, I don't think that it actually. It seems so quaint the violence in this movie today, but like apparently, like back in 1992, people were like fucking on the streets to how violent this movie was. <laughs> it's fucking weird. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say. That's weird. Django, Django Unchained is way more violent than this. Yes. And, and uh, Hateful Eight. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is obviously a very good movie. Um, it is it is near the bottom for me, Tarantino-wise, which is, again, not to say it's not a good movie because I like every single one except for Hateful Eight. But I think it's just that, um, I like I said earlier, kind of talking about Once Upon a Time, I like the ones where he is at his most heartfelt and Reservoir Dogs doesn't have a ton of heart to it. It's a, it's a, you know, very, um, 
well-made, successful exercise in what it is trying to do. Um, but I just feel a little empty at the end of it, I guess, is the only reason why it doesn't rate higher for me. Um, but, I mean, it's it's Tarantino. It's a you know very good movie. All right. Uh, Spence 26. My 26 is 500 Days of Summer. <laughs> See how I love rom-coms. This is like the anti-rom-com because you love how you create like like a romance. You get in, in, like you get engaged with. You're like, oh hey, this is cool, and you realize like, wait, the dude's like really shitty, like an awful human being, and you should be rooting for him. Yeah, this movie fucking rocks. I think I think the idea of de- deconstructing the rom-com not to just like, oh hey, it's a bad storytelling, but just how a lot of the characters we sort of like get invested in aren't the best people. And how it sort of like confronts confronts the character about it. It's not just like seeing like, oh hey, thing bad. It's no, it's like the, like the other characters in the film are talking to him about like, hey, you like actively ignored everything she said. You set yourself up for failure. This was never gonna work out, and you still get mad and think she's the bitch for ruining this. And I think the way that it challenges him is really engaging. I love the supporting cast, uh, namely fucking Jeffrey Oran and Chloe Grace Moretz are fucking awesome in this of just like challenging tom this is just one of the most rewatchable movies for me because it's just it's 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 that perfect mixture of something so like bitingly cynical about how awful dating is in in like the modern times how a lot of men can sort of just like sort of defer to this mindset especially in their early 20s while also still being light and fun and engaging and having enough great sequences like the uh dream and reality sequence of just like it's so it's easy to watch, and fuck you, Cody. I'm glad you're not hosting. This movie's great. Oh, you have to worry about uh, Cody host because yeah, this movie sucks. Cody, um, come back. Uh, <laughs> she, yeah, this is. I was wa- I watched this movie for the first time, I think, a year or so ago, and there's a line in like the first ten minutes where the, there's a narrator. The narration is, is obnoxious in this. Narrator goes, "There's two kind of people in the world." There's men and there's women. And I'm like, oh, so we're going to get some really deep stuff in this movie with, with that kind of that, that kind of insight. Um, and yeah, that kind of just told me the exact kind of movie this is going to be. Um, I, I hate these movies where like the guy is a crappy guy and the movie recognizes that's a crappy guy. So we're going to be like, oh yeah, it's good to watch this. Uh, it's good to watch this uh, this guy. It's like no, I still don't want to watch him, even though you acknowledge he's bad. I still, I still have no interest. And I think like, and I, I like movies about doomed relationships, um, but this movie focuses so much on the doom of the relationship that I never really care about the relationship itself. Um, so yeah, and I, I'm yeah, and Miles Teller is not, or it's not Miles Teller. Who is this? Just Gordon Levitt. I don't know. I can't, I can't Do tell not, the part. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not okay with him either. I don't care about it. Yeah. Be either one. Switch him out. I'm fine. Um, everybody else in 500 Days of Summer. I've only seen this movie one time a long time ago, and I think it was probably too young to engage with the layers of critique that are going on here, if there are any layers. Um, but, uh, yeah, it didn't leave a strong impact with me. I don't like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think he's a very confusing individual. Um, if you follow his social media nowadays, I'm not really sure what the guy is doing with his life. 
but uh, it's it's very interesting. Um, that's that's all I'll say. But but yeah, I have a feeling if I were to rewatch this today, I would probably feel that it doesn't hold up. Uh, but I still remember the ending because my friend hated the movie because of that very last part of the movie where <laughs> she's like, "My name is Autumn," and my friend just thought that was the dumbest thing ever. The fact that the ending is really shitty, actually. Yeah. I remember of your 26th movie. movie of all time. I, yeah. I remember this movie <laughs> being very mean and being like, sure, and never seeing it again. Uh, I don't like this movie because I don't like either of the characters, which I feel like is the opposite of what this movie should be. I should like both of these characters and be like, oh, I'm glad that they moved on or whatever. But it's like, nah, he's like clearly got like toxic behaviors that um, he's the whole movie. And uh, I don't think that Zoe Deschanel is like up to the Annie Hall like flightiness like part. All right. Shot that on all fronts there, Spence. What do you got next? Don't give a shit. If you don't like this movie, you're wrong. The Incredibles. Yikes to a future episode. Hell yeah, bro. Nice. All right. My number 24. Uh, actually, you know what? No controversy because I know someone else here likes it. Ten things to hand about you. It's my hit movie for the week. I'm sure no one guessed it because I'm <laughs> settled the point of stupidity. This is one of the best coming-of-age stories. Why? It's Shakespeare, but better. It takes one of his most... It takes one of his most dated and true... Like this, the play is basically a horror story. And it adapts it in the best way possible by taking the really shitty lead character, who is legit a sociopath who fucking abuses Bianca and Shakespeare, to the villain of this story. And, and, and adapts around it and makes 90s Heath Ledger a... God, the actual romantic lead in this. It's just so much fun. And I love the central relationship behind it. I'm just like, they're both sort of against each other at odds. It, it, is, it is like the the um, the enemies to lovers archetype. But I find in high school, it's so, it's so much more engaging because it's just like, it's not true antagony. It's just, I don't like you because of, yeah, I don't like you because, yeah. And they sort of like work together. And it's just, it's so much fun. And it cannot be said enough. Heath Ledger's musical number on the bleachers is one of the best scenes ever because he is just having so much fun. Like that, that, that is the time where, where you can see an actor is truly just enjoying what he's doing. And my, my even then, but my favorite scene in the movie is literally just her reading the poem in her class, just basically right to him about he, how even though everything that she went through, and even though that he. And she doesn't feel like the, like the relationship's already in the right place. Just, and I never even hate it, and I don't even hate you, not even one bit. It just breaks you. This is such a great fucking movie, and one of my one of my green flag movies. If you like this, you're a cool person. I had this uh, back in my '90s, um, and I just remember watching this movie over and over and over and over again when it came out. I I enjoy all the characters. Uh, I thought it was extremely funny. Larry Miller doing. Uh, a a turnaround. <laughs> Usually, he is the biggest prick on earth. But you're actually like, he's a dad you like. Wow, this is really cool. Um, uh, can't take my eyes off of you. It's 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 an iconic scene, yo. Uh, it it made Heath Ledger the the back to back of this in a night's tale. Just kind of made Heath Ledger that dude um, until he became. Uh, th- no, there was another movie that made him the god of the dude. But this this was like right before that. Um, I just enjoy the shit out of this film. 
Uh, and and I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So, ha. <laughs> this movie sucks so bad. I hate this movie. We saw, this, me and Kathy were dating when this movie came out, and we went and saw it, and I hated it so much, and I stayed away from it forever. So a couple years ago, I went back to it first. Oh, maybe it's not as bad as I ever. So much worse. It's so much worse. It's just like every bad 90s. It's like the 90s was like constipated with like all it's like bad, not like high school tropes. And then like right at the end, it just had like explosive diarrhea. This movie came out. Um, it's so bad. It's like it just like the idea, like the way they try to like fit Shakespeare into this movie, uh, like the actual like dialogue and lines is just so insulting. Um, it's 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 rough. It's it's really bad. Um, yeah, I yeah, I mean, this is Heath Ledger before he was like the Heath Ledger we know as a talented actor. Um, I hate every character in this movie. I don't care about any of them. It's just stupid, stereotypical high school crap. Um, it's really bad. Um, Scott and Jake, you guys made the right decision. Kept this off your list. You have anything to say about it? Um, I love the movie. I honestly do. Uh, I'm sorry, Kurt, you could mark me down. But, hey, I didn't have it on the list. Um, I, I said, but, yeah, once again, the only thing that stops me from probably having it on my list we just talked about him, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, I said, oh. I think the last time I watched this, this would be a five-star movie if it was if somebody other than Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in it, and it would be a two-star movie if somebody other than Heath Ledger was in it because um, he's he's so fantastic. Like he he has um, incredible charisma in this movie. Um, I also don't like peas, just like his character. So love that line. Um, and Julia Stiles is great, too, as Kat. I, I actually kind of agree. I mean, it, it's weird to phrase it as this does Shakespeare better than Shakespeare. But, yes, this is definitely a Shakespearean story that, you know, has not aged super well and I think lends itself well to a contemporary spin. I do not think all Shakespeare adaptations do. Uh, but I think this is a prime example of when it does. And I think they, they do it really right. It's a super charming and funny movie. I consider this to be like a like sibling to Clueless in a way. So if you like Clueless, you like 10 things I hate about you. They're both like adaptations of like old stories. And they both, uh, as Rue pointed out, like they have Larry Miller as like the hard ass. He usually plays a hard ass, but he's like a big softy in it. And it's Dan Hedaya in uh, Dan Clueless Hedaya, is yeah. her dad. <laughs> they both have like that in common where it's like really warm, loving fathers in this like otherwise pretty like heightened movie. And, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, moving on from that, Spence, that was your 24. So we'll go over to Amaru for your number 27. Left side. Strong side. Revit the Titans. Uh, one of the best sports movies ever made. Uh, you could, you could kind of consider it a children's sports movie, but it really kind of surpasses that. Um, Denzel Washington being Denzel Washington uh, can can do no wrong. Um, every like speech he gives is motivational. But the fact that Will Patton as Yost goes toe to toe with him in this entire movie elevates it that much more. And the ensemble cast in general, Wood Harris, um, the guy who plays Opie in Sons of Anarchy, I can never remember his name, uh, Ethan Suffley, 
Uh, Ryan Gosling is a uh, liability as co- at cornerback. Uh, Donald Faison, um, my man should play Sunshine. It's just a great amalgamation of all of just so many good characters following a good story that that you could get so I it's it sucks to say but you can kind of get tired of movie about racial injustice like it's for so many years black people have been saying can we not make any more movies about slavery please so when you get movies about racial injustice it's got to be great it can't be the same old same old and having these characters come together um and 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 find different new ways to, to tackle that within a sports movie that's very inspirational um, and very funny. Uh, uh, when they have the Yo Mama joke scene singing uh, uh, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, it's just, uh, just your heart is just into everything. Even Hayden Panettiere is a child actress, is doing what a, is doing a great job because she's being a very overzealous child. She's doing it great. Everything about this movie is wonderful. Um, and it is extremely rewatchable as well. Um, I love this. Um, and again, probably one of one of the, if not the best, one of the best sports movies of all time. Yeah, remember Titans is a really good movie um, that, like so other movies, is made infinitely better by the the uh, cast of Denzel Washington. Uh, just perfect role for him. Uh, and Will Pat, you're right. Will Pat, Will Pat is such an underrated character actor. Like no one ever yeah. talks about him, but he's like really solid in everything he's in. Um, and the, yeah, the whole, and so just so many like young up and coming actors in this and, um, yeah, the way it tackles the issue, uh, is really well done. I think it's, it's, it's tastefully done and not like a sappy way or like a, a condescending way. Um, uh, it's, I think sports is like the perfect, uh, metaphor, uh, for, for that. And just like, the way they come together through that, um, yeah, it's it's really good. I, I don't love it as much as everybody else. I'm not I'm not remember like I'm not like Cody level. I remember the Titans. Uh, but yeah, this anybody plays the top 100. It's it's a great pick. Um, everybody else on remember the Titans. Oh, listening to you guys talk about it, I thought remember the Titans was like a a movie where like a college team died on a plane crash. That would be a bus crash in Marshall. We, a bus crash we are yeah I so like i don't we, we are marshall yeah we i do are, not remember not the titans though yeah <laughs> that is i was listening you're like covering racism i'm like wait a minute what does a, a plane crash have to do with racism and then it's a bus crash so i'm confused what are the other i've seen it i don't remember it <laughs> paul uh Remember the Titans, best football movie of all time, easily. One of the best sports movies um, of all time. I, I'm glad you mentioned Will Patton because he would have been my shout-out as well. Uh, I I grew up in the South going to high school football games every Friday. I knew high school football coaches. He's exactly like a high school football coach. Um, and I like that even though this movie is like, you know, it's a Disney, it's a Disney movie. Like, they don't iron over some of the details, like the fact that, he got he basically gets the job due to like affirmative action at the start of the movie even nowadays i feel like disney would stay away from doing something like that because you really can't have anything controversial in these movies um but they they really you know they own up to that and they don't try to like act like it's a bad thing so that's kind of cool the only thing i don't <laughs> don't like in the movie is kate bosworth's character is ridiculous <laughs> and the scene where, where they go to the state championship game and they're down on the sidelines and she just comes down on the sidelines right before the game's about to start and is trying to like introduce herself to Julius or whatever because she's been so basically racist to him the whole movie. 
And I'm just like rolling my eyes, like, come on, like this, the state championship is about to start. What is she doing? But it's a great movie. You also make mentioned Kate Bosworth and we're probably saying a bad thing about something. Yeah. That probably said enough right there. <laughs> I, this is a great movie. For some reason, I forget like everything about it. The second it ends. And these one of the movies I'm just like, oh, this is really great. You forget. They and then I had to rewatch it like in a month because I forgot everything, which is great for fandom. Uh, but this is an this is a fantastic pick. One of the better sports movies, but not my favorite. Uh, and Paul, Fresh is not on my list, but Fresh is very underrated, and you should go see that movie. Go watch it on uh, Unearth. I, I did it with Unearth on Bill uh, on Bill Show. All right, uh, Rue, what is your number twenty six? All right, Scott, come on back. It's uh, Kill Bill Volume One. Um, this movie is badass, plain and simple. It, just every, just from the opening fight between Vivica A. Fox and, and Uma Thurman to, um, I can't remember, is it this one or the next one that has the Sam Jackson narration? That's the second one. Okay, because sometimes you, you feel like it's all, all one movie. I don't. It's just there are some things that blend bleed together. Um, I, I do separate the two. Um, Daryl Hannah is absolutely evil and delicious in this film. Michael Madsen being his cool, low-key self. The fact when he says maybe she should get her revenge, that's just like, yes, yes. That is such a good line right now. Um, everything about this film is what is what I love about Tarantino uh, because – when he's able, I said it in Reservoir Dogs, when he's able to balance it, when he's able to not go absolutely over the top with his stylistic ways and, 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 his, and his violence and, and the, uh, the dialogue. And for him, the balance is being more than everybody else, but not hitting the this is way too much line. And I think Kill Bill does this perfectly. The visuals are beautiful. The, the entire fight scene between Uma and Lucy Liu at the end uh, when – uh, the top part of her head is cut off and it's just the snow and you're like, oh my goodness. The 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 fight scene before, the, going from the crazy fight scene with the crazy 88, 88s before that, that is just at your head and at your neck again and again and then completely slowing it down for the more subtle fight scene, the more, for the fight scene that means more. Um, I, I think this... Definitely top. This is top two, top three. Um, kill uh, Tarantino films, um, and I. It's it, it is just so damn good in every aspect. Yeah, this was uh, my thirty. Oh, good, Scott. Sorry. Yeah, this is my thirty. Um, yeah, I mean, if I'd seen the whole bloody affair, I probably would have put that on there. But I've only seen the two movies separately, and so I picked my favorite one, which is this one. Um, I don't know. I think that the action, more action focused approach, just works for me because the action in these movies is just so good. Yeah, I mean, Ruth said it. Badass is really the the word to describe this movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, when I saw the Crazy Eighty Eight action scene for the first time, and I was like fifteen or sixteen, I was like. This is the greatest thing that has ever been put to film. Like there, there's no, it will never be topped. Uh, and you know, it's still pretty high on the list. It's still an amazing scene. But I think also, uh, you know, Tarantino obviously is great at using music in his movies. Um, but uh, I think this movie has some really great music moments. Some of his best, like when she gets the sword from Hattori Hanzo, um, the like the song that plays on the soundtrack is 
you know, like perfectly suited to that moment. And then like the anachronistic, like really sort of upbeat, like um, exuberant, like dance jam that's going on in the fight at the end with, between her and Oren. Um, it just it, it just adds to the fun of this movie. I mean, it's, it's you know, for as dark of a story it is, again, Tarantino is having such fun making it and building this world and creating these larger than life characters. The bride is, you know, such such a strong um, such a strong heroine, and definitely one of the many um, arguments you can make against people who say that Tarantino doesn't have good female characters, which is just such a stupid argument. But um, yeah, the movie is just it's so it's cool as hell. Also, the animated sequence is is you know one of the most inventive things he's done. Yeah, and uh, also Quincy Jones puts his foot into the music whole foot into, into the music it's it's beautiful yeah uh you guys did the right thing um by keeping it two separate movies uh because it absolutely is two separate movies uh you'll get points for that during the recap episode um and you pick the right one to put on your list i think this one i think that's the the problem with putting them together is that this one is so far superior after that you know leave you on such a high high at the end of this one i don't think the second one ever really reaches it um but yeah, this is elevated a lot for me um, over the years. Like it was used to be like lower tier Tarantino for me. It's really moved uh, moved up the ladder. Um, I think this is what Tarantino does best: is he elevates genre. He takes the genre piece and just makes it more. Um, and it's so good. I just love like the world building he does with the uh, uh, with the Viper Squad and just like their like that 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 like assassin subculture um, and. Uh, I just the, oh, Red Ishii is such a great character. Like you said, that animated sequence is so amazing. Uh, Sunny Chiba is great in his little role. Uh, that crazy eight fight is just mind blowing. Um, what goes on? It's just so much fun. And like the fight afterwards between the two of them is is really good. And you just root for her so much. Like she's such she she's probably I don't know if she's like the best written or best acted of Tarantino's. Uh, uh, protagonist, but she's the one you root for that you just get behind, and you want to see her like get you. Like you said, that that's Michael Batson. She's like he's saying what the audience is thinking. Like she needs to get her revenge. Let's do it. Um, I yeah, I I think it's a really solid pick. Uh, Jake and Spence on Kill Bill One. This is just sort of there for me with Tarantino. I don't have a lot of strong, fuck you, Scott. I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a lot of strong feelings about it. It's just. I never really connected with it. I'm probably going to do a Tarantino rewatch eventually when I stop getting mad about what's it. But uh, I have no big opinions on this. Uh, yeah, I uh, for, did like a, in the ninth grade, I did a project on Japan. And uh, for no reason at all, at the end of my project on Japan, I put, you know, I had that visual aid. So I just played the scene of like uh, a bunch of people getting like cut up for the whole class on the, the big screen. Yes. Uh, one thing I don't like about this movie a little bit, and I don't hate it. It's not like it ruins the movie for me, but I have heard like a couple of women say that the uh, gratuitousness of the uh, buck stuff in the movie kind of ruins the fun. It kind of like leaves a fart in the room on the way out of this fun movie, you know? All right, uh, rule number 25. Uh, my 25, I consider to be the best action movie to ever be made, and that's uh, The Raid Redemption. Um, this movie 
you talk about badass. It just, it, it brings you in, you're in the cop car, and then once you're in the building, that shit does not let go. Um, uh, however, thinking through it, every time the action comes, it is some of the best choreography you've ever seen. The best, it, the story that goes along with it of why they're in the building is so great. But it also gives you the little tiny, tiny moments that you get to build some character and you get to like really connect with Eco Ways um, and his brother. Uh, and and for like two or three seconds, like let your heart stop racing for half a beat and then put you right back into it. Just you are there floor by floor by floor, bullet by bullet, um, fight scene by fight scene. And I, I truly believe that uh, Mad Dog is the best, most vicious, most you root for him, uh, villain, sidekick, henchman, whatever you want to call him. Him beating the shit out of uh, the of uh, Rama and his brother at the same time is the best fight scene I've ever seen. He whoops they ass two on one. He gets a shard of glass in his neck and he continues to whoop they ass. Raron Yuhan is like, what if I see him and Eco in a movie, when I saw them two in John Wick 3, and then I was like, you better not let Keanu Reeves. And they ended with just respect because he knew, Keanu Reeves knew, you don't beat these two. It's because of the raid. It's because of the raid redemption of how intense it is, of how the action is just so damn good. Um, and you actually care about the characters as it's going through. This movie is amazing. And if you love action films, this is the one. Um, it's, it's, it's everything you want in action films. Yeah, I watched this for the first time last night, actually. I said, this movie is to, like, martial arts what uh, Fury Road is to chasings. Like, it just goes, and it doesn't stop. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, just, it's just crazy the way, like, you, you think, like, that kind of thing, just it, it would get repetitive and boring, and it doesn't. Like, it just keeps that energy up. And like you said, it has, like, those laws. It's, it's paced really well. We have you know, those little laws and that, that moment to breathe, and then you go again. And, yeah, Mad Dog, you know, he's, like, that scene where he's, like, puts the gun out. He's, like, ah, he's, like, I do it like this. And he just fights. And then, like, yeah, and then, like, the same thing where he's, like, they, they, they he comes in, like, he, he gets the people he wants in the room, and he lets them go so they can both fight. Uh, that's yeah, that's he, he, he's a great character. Um, and the way he's able to express that through the fighting, cause that's really all, all his character is. Uh, but you, you get that from him through that. And it, it, there's just so much creativity in the, in the fight choreography. Um, it's a lot of fun. The only reason why I wouldn't put a movie like this in the, my top 100 is because for me personally, a year from now, I'm not going. Oh, I'm remember. There's a lot of punching and kicking. Like I'm not going to remember details to it. It's not gonna, the, the the meat of it's not going to stick with me. Um, but that's me personally. I, I totally understand. Like having a love for for this kind of thing, and um, you know, putting it this high. Uh, everybody else on Raid Redemption. Haven't seen it. Sorry. I haven't seen uh, it. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I uh, oh, think this movie is is like an incredible piece of like choreography and stunts, but uh, I feel like the flaw is that I have very little emotional attachment to any of the characters. And I don't usually like to lobby that complaint at movies like this, but when dread, I believe comes out in the same year and I feel like, does it better? I don't know. You know, which movie dread the 
Alex Garland one? Club Dread is the fact. It's a Club Dread. Hey. to speak does not make you intelligent. <laughs> yeah. I, dread is great, but it's not this movie. It's it's not this movie. But um, The Duel of the Fates was better since we're talking. Does it, does it have someone getting shot in the face with a flare gun, though? Or not a flare gun, but like, just, just fucking, you know? Shard of glass in his neck, and he's beating two people up at the same time. Jesus Christ. It's close, then. It's close. I didn't realize Dread came out the same year. Because I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, like so whoever made Dread watched this movie, because I didn't realize they came out that close together. I, I, um, I don't know if they did. Uh, uh, Dread's 2012. Dread's 2012. Okay. Did everybody talk about this? All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Route number 24. Uh, a movie we've talked about to death, but I'll talk about it a little bit more. The Social Network. That's a yikes for this episode. All right, let's bounce over to Jake and your number 27. Uh, at 27, I have La La Land. Yeah! Yeah! Give me the pants, this is a yikes for that episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so no, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, um, so the thing with this movie, I think. Uh, at the time, Jake oh, got yikes, right? Yeah, yikes it. Oh, okay, yikes. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yikes. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Ninety percent of the time, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. I just I <laughs> thought you were on a power trip right now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were making some sort of a joke about that. Okay, sorry, I missed the first part of it. Yeah, I thought you said if Coho was here, he yikes it. To so. be fair, I thought he was saying the same thing for a minute too. So. Yeah, okay. What's your 26? Have you seen my list? <laughs> I don't have it in front okay, of me. Uh, yeah, at 26, I have Starship Troopers. Wow. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, Starship Troopers. So uh, I feel like a lot of people around my age had this, like, journey with this movie where, like, when you saw it when you were a kid at, on TV or at the uh, rented it from the Blockbuster on VHS, you basically took the movie at face value. We were just like, this is a kick-ass, like, um action movie where like they're um it's extremely violent and inspiring it's like a sports movie basically in the form of like a very gory science fiction movie and uh then at some point in your life uh on the internet because we're all probably on the internet through these forums uh someone uh <laughs> like explains to you that like uh or explained to me anyways that like oh it's a uh satire of like a Nazi propaganda movie, and then you watch the movie again, and you're like, oh shit, like <laughs> that's why the movie was funny. Like, you inherently do pick up on this movie is like winking at you, uh, at least when you're a little when you're a kid or whatever. And and I, I just felt like uh so excited to open up like a layer that like they snuck that by the studios and no one noticed that like they wanted this to be the next Star Wars, and they had no idea. Uh, now, Reddit, obviously, like, um, I wanted to point out, it's so obvious because uh, the movie subreddit even has, like, a rule that you're not allowed to talk about uh, how um, uh, Starship Troopers is a Nazi propaganda satire because it's so oversaid. But that is the thing about this movie, right? That's all I have to say. Um, yeah, I get that. And I understand what they're doing. But I feel like to set... Like and I don't think it's just satirizing like like Nazis or anything. Like that. I think it's very like in general like satirizing like that kind of glorification of it and that kind of you know that kind of like propaganda. This kind of movies like that. I feel like to do that successfully, you have to at some point be more than what you're satirizing. 
and I don't think this movie ever goes over that level. I think this movie is just very much like bad acting, bad writing, bad. And even if it's even if it's on a conscious level, like it's still that. Um, I rewatched this a couple weeks ago for the show, and I'm like, this. I, I, I'm so if I if I didn't know know this was Verhoeven, I would assume it was just somebody trying to imitate Verhoeven, because it has like that Verhoeven still of like the idea behind it but I, it doesn't have his nuance. Like it just very much, I think a lot of it has to do with the cast. Like I think the cast, it's the young cast especially is very poor. Like I don't think they understood what kind of movie they were in. And um, I think you got a lot of bad acting. I think Michael Ironside and Clen, uh, Clancy Brown are both really good. I think they know what they're doing. Um, Patrick Harris. <laughs> uh, but the, the, like the main, the main, you know, the main group is just, is it's, it's hard to watch. Um, so I, I respect what you're saying about it, but I don't think the movie, ever fully achieves what it's trying to do uh everybody else on starship troopers i remember enjoying this movie as a child uh or whatever age i was um i don't think i fully understood the satire of it i never got back to it by the time i could understand it but i've heard enough people talk about it to get it and remember enough about it it was cool I was just, I didn't think I would hear it this far up. That's, I, 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 I gotta explain my, 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 my audible wow on that. Um, all power to you, man. Um, stay strong on that. <laughs> Not my favorite Verhoeven. Uh, another movie that's just like sort of there. I think it's cooler in content than it is in execution. I just never really got attached to it. I I don't truly get the love for it. Uh, Verhoeven's a little bit of a blind spot for me. I think I've only seen one or two movies, and I have not seen this one, sadly. Oh, this is best one. <laughs> That's what I hear. I need to see RoboCop too, though. Obviously. All right, uh, Jake, number twenty-five. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, at uh, number twenty-five, I have. The skin I live in. Okay. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> Elmodovar's um, like horror movie from 2011. Uh, I don't want to spoil this movie for anyone, so I won't go into details because I think uh, that ruining this movie, uh, I will warn that like it's uh, very violent and disturbing. There's some sexual violence in this movie. Uh like based in baked into the the premise of it almost um i would compare this though in camp gone serious to um make a serious uh social statement to get out like it's a it's almost this goofy science fiction thing but just played so straight that it's um completely horrifying uh when you figure out what this mad scientist is uh doing to this girl and you find out uh, the identity of all the characters in the the movie, and uh, I think that it has something to say about. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to spoil it, so I won't say anymore. Yeah, you're right. It's hard to talk about too much because you don't want to spoil. It, but this movie's bonkers. Like it just goes in direction. Like wow. Like I can't believe they did that. Um, I will say the one thing I really loved about this movie is Antonio Bonas Banderas' performance. I just love his take on the mad scientist and just how mundane he plays it. And I was reading on it. And they said that he was basically told like, you know, he was acting a certain way. Like you got to tone it down. Like we don't want like the big, like mustache trolling, uh, you know, 
eyebrow raising mad scientist. Like you just play it, play it straight. He kind of does like it's, he's just like this very boring guy who um, happens to be uh, doing all these very insane things. Uh, so I like his pros, but like you, Jake, I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't seen it. So I will uh, end my commentary there. Has ABL seen Sky Living? Pedro Almodovar is sad, horny, and loves his mom. Have not seen this. <laughs> Makes I, broad I, general I, statement about the filmmaker that says <laughs> I haven't seen it. Uh, I have not seen it. Um, I've just heard about it a lot. Yeah. I really want to see it uh, because Jake, yeah, Jake, Jake said he doesn't want to spoil the plot. I was helping somebody study for a match where Almodovar was used as a strength. And so I read the plot on Wikipedia and I'm really sorry that I did because it sounds it like what, after I got to the end of it, I was like, this sounds like a great movie. Like I really want to watch this now. Um, I, I could not imagine reading the synopsis of this movie. Yeah. Like that would have just been an experience itself. I still really want to see it, but yeah, I, isn't this the movie that like Ethan went on his first date with his girlfriend to or something? <laughs> I want to say I want to say out. that it's want to say that it's this movie or he has some story about that, but yeah, wild choice. So you guys get the Get Out comparison then too, right? From what I recall, I, yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, all right, uh, Jake, number twenty-four. Yeah. Uh, 24 of Judd Apatow's masterpiece, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. That would be a yikes for another episode. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, that what very quickly takes us to everybody's top three for the week. Scott, let's start with you. Number 23. Uh, this is Tarantino week, I guess. Uh, 23, yeah. Pulp Fiction. That would be a yikes for another episode. <laughs> Wow. All right. Spencer, number 23. So before I get into this, uh, Paul, if you could leave the episode for like five minutes, that would be great. <laughs> uh, my number 23 is blue is the warmest color. So. <laughs> I'm in danger. I want to do a flashback to last week when I also had Singing in the Rain. I talked about how a bad scene you can fast forward through and you can still love the movie. That is my relationship with this. This was the first like queer film that I saw growing up. Like legitimately, I was 14, 15, caught it on Netflix, and I just felt like I had like been seen in a sense. Because I'm not used to queer characters or queer storylines being in mainstream media. I didn't know this wasn't mainstream, but whatever. And it's always held like that really close, like safe spot for me. And even in like on the multiple times I revisited this, it's still like it's really shitty. And I fast forward through all the sex scenes because it's like really fucked up what the director did. But when I get past that, it's just it's so it's so beautiful and special. Like it like it's 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 a movie just to like calm me down a little bit, even though it's about this like really shitty relationship and they go through a lot of ups and downs, and neither of them neither one of them like sort of come out the best at the end. It just reminds me of what it felt like to just be like like a little queer kid and just like, oh shit. There are people like me in the world. Uh, it's hard for me to explain. Honestly, it, it could be higher, but when I really sit down and think, like, I'm not loving a whole film, I need to knock it down some spots. But uh, it's a movie that I know I'll be alone in loving. No one will really understand, and I can't explain it well. It's just, it's here, and if you don't like it, 
I understand, but it's it's a me pick. I have not seen this. Uh, Spencer, you okay? You okay if I t- I talk about the conversations we had off air? Yeah, yeah, you can. Okay, yeah. Spence, Spence basically asked me not to watch this, so um, <laughs> yeah. I respect it. It's three hours long. I was like, hey, I have ten movies I have to watch this week for the show. I'll skip a three hour one. I have no problem with that. Um, but yeah, so that's where I'm at with this movie. You you, you didn't sell it to me as something that I would probably want to watch. Um, but I understand. I, I understand your journey with that. I mean, that makes total sense. Uh, anybody else see this one? Nope. Uh, yeah, this uh, movie is like you know, it's a little pornographic, like too, right? <laughs> like almost like not quite. I remember that that was. I, it's just funny for me to think about uh, Steven Spielberg's love. Lo- Steven Spielberg loved this movie like so much. Like he picked <laughs> it. The, the it won cans. Like <laughs> it's funny to me. Pornographic is too insulting, but it is. I guess after hearing what the director did, it it just. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Really, actually, really fucked. Really fucked. I don't think it's added. I, I don't think it is. Uh, I don't think it should qualify as pornography because it's not designed to like you know. It's not designed for that at all. I haven't seen it, but yeah, Spence, definitely live your truth, just as I lived my truth with Band Slam. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you equating being gay to liking ska? Because they're not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Amaru, what is your number 23? Um, I don't know whether or not we'll be talking about it as a 50-50 shot, but we'll see. The Dark Knight. Yikes to a future episode. There we go. There we go. All right. Uh, a lot of yikes tonight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's the most we've had the whole time. Uh, Jake, you're number 23. My number 23 is The Master. Yeah, uh, it's my favorite uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Uh, I think I went into this movie with the expectation that this was going to be some sort of like big uh, FU indictment of cults and specifically Scientology. And watching the movie, um, Paul Thomas Anderson really has no interest in just debunking religion for shits and giggles. He's uh, more interested in characters that are trying to find meaning in this world and uh, it's kind of successful at that because the movie, I think you can view it from any angle you want and find some sort of um, new interpretation or um, packed with symbolism. And uh, I actually think if you watch the movie again, Amy Adams is like kind of built in as the titular master. Uh, when you're when you watch that on repeat viewings, it becomes more and more clear how much of a puppet master to the whole thing uh, her character actually is. Uh, yeah, and the the two actors going head to head, two of the best actors of all time, uh, in two of the best performances of all time. Three actually, including Amy Adams. But yeah, that's all I have to say, master. Yeah, every time I watch a Philip Seymour Hoffman movie now, I get really sad just because he's gone, and I know we're not going to get any more of those performances. Um, it's, he's so good. They're, they're both so great in this, and there's so many great scenes. I mean, that informal processing scene, uh, just how that goes on, the, the the prison scene where he just flips out and they're just screaming at each other, uh, the window of the wall suit, they're just breaking him down, the way that's intercut with you know all the different things they're doing with him. Uh, yeah, the, the two of the Amy Adams is great too, but just the two of them, you know, in, you know, almost every scene together 
is so great. And just that relationship between the two of them. Um, you never like can draw a beat. I, I love the whole, uh, the fact that they show that the movie is, is seen through Freddie's perspective. So you never uh, get a full picture of what Lancaster Dot is up to. And you never, I, at least for me, anyway, maybe I'm stupid. I just don't get it. But I, for me, even by the end of the movie, I don't have a beat on him, like where he stands with it. Like, does he be really believe this stuff? Is he making it all up? Does he Can care about Freddie or is he just a pawn? You know, it just, it, I feel like it's, it's, and I think I, I attribute that so much to uh, Hoffman, his performance. Um, but yeah, this movie's, I, this is, I haven't really ranked them in my head yet, but it's definitely top three PTA for me. It's so, it's so good. Um, yeah. And like you said, it's not a, necessarily about, like, it's not an indictment. It's not about uh, Scientology or, it's just, that's kind of the backdrop for it. It's more just about these two men. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's totally worth watching. Uh, everybody else on the master. Oh, can I tell you what side I fall down on of if he's like trying to con uh, Freddie or not? Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. I think they're genuine friends. I I think after watching the movie enough times, I think there's a, a lot of respect between both men for each other. I feel that way too, but I'm not like pot like that's my take mm. on it too. But I just, I'm just I'm not I'm never sure. I think that's I credit the movie for that for me. For yeah, me that's though. interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, everybody else on the master. I've um, come to learn later on in years as they come out with more movies. I don't think I like any of the Andersons, Wes, Paul, or uh, W.S. Um, none of them films are very good. Um, Cody, is that you? <laughs> except, except I love Mortal Kombat as a kid, as yeah. shitty as that film is. Right, is that you? I'll leave that at that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I will say though, I haven't seen this movie. That's re the reason I bring that up because I haven't had any interest to actually go watch them. So, but it, it just reminded me that Andersons are not, not movies I go usually see. I, I do not like PTA. I actually made my uh, list for him today. I like three of his movies. I haven't seen this one. It'd probably make right to have him be my fourth I like. Well, I don't like him. There'll be blood. Not good. Magnolia, fine. Uh, <laughs> not a fan. Uh, avoid him like the plague when I can. Well, congratulations. That was one of the stupidest things that I've ever seen. Coho, you also don't like uh, there will be blood. Don't hide behind the screen, motherfucker. Uh, I like every single one of this man's movies. Uh, I right now I think I have this one near the middle of my list, but I only saw it when it came out. This is the one that I want to rewatch before Licorice Pizza comes out in a couple of weeks. I just watched Punch Drunk for the first time. That was the last one I hadn't seen. So, but I want to rewatch this before Licorice Pizza, just, you know, context and all that. But I do like it. All right. Uh, Scott, we're going to come back to you for your number 22. All right. Let's see if I get some redemption from earlier. The Godfather. That's textbook pandering. Um, oh, no. nobody had it. <laughs> oh, jeez. And that's another W for me. Uh, I'm in danger. Jesus, Scott. Just, you know, I'm doing great, aren't I? I'm a great fucking person. <laughs> <laughs> oh! 
I mean, The Godfather is Kirk's favorite movie, so obviously it's it's perfection. Um, no, this this movie is is uh, it's The Godfather. Um, it it is one of the greatest achievements ever in American film. Um, at its heart, it's just a story of the American dream, but blown up to epic proportions in the story of this you know mob family. Al Pacino probably still his best performance before he went full. Al Pacino um, just the way that he tells that story in the very beginning to to Kay when they're at the wedding about you know Luca Brazzi said you know either your brains or your signature are going to be on this contract and then but that's my family Kay that's not me like perfect setup for his entire character arc over the course of the the series and just the way he delivers it in such a calm low-key um, fashion just says so much right there about how how he's been so like desensitized to you know the violence and everything going on in the family the whole movie is full of those you know just super nuanced moments also it's just such a you know amazing technical achievement cinematography score all of those you know buzzwords um you know some of some amazing like suspense sequences like the the scene in the Italian restaurant with, you know, where he shoots Salazzo and the cop or, um, you know, just the whole build up to that. And then, you know, wondering the suspense of wondering, you know, is he going to be able to to go through with it? And then, you know, as soon as he does, that's just sort of the the domino, which sets everything into motion. Um, and, you know, the rest of the series becomes about his sort of, you know, rise to the yeah paul's right uh the the start or the top of the the family the top of the food chain um you know obviously an amazing supporting cast uh james con is perfect as like the impulsive you know sunny that you know he's doomed when you just see how sort of you know quick he is to act and you know he think thinks second acts for acts first you know that he's doomed but uh still a, a fun character to watch um and marlon brando yeah i mean those opening scenes um you know such a such a powerful character um the way he you know grabs johnny and is like you act like a man um you know just a a, a great moment of him just like i don't know leaning into the fear that this character is still capable of instilling in people even though you know he's older he's you know not as physically capable anymore um, he still has those moments like that where he is he is feared. I mean, yeah, it's it's the Godfather. You could you could probably, you know, write an essay on every single scene. Um, but it's one of those movies that like, yeah, maybe you, this isn't your type of thing. Maybe it's just you think it's a bunch of dudes or whatever. Um, but it's to me, it's just undeniable. Like, um, I, I just think this movie is is undeniable. You can dislike every single other mafia movie, mob movie, crime movie ever made. I don't see how you cannot admire what is going on in this movie because it is technically perfect. Yes. Um, yeah, this is definitely a perfect movie. Um, it just, I, I say this every time. I mean, there's not an ounce of fat on this movie. If you say it's too long, you're insane because it's just every every moment is 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 worthwhile. Um, and I've talked about it a million times, so I'm not going to talk too much, but just the way it starts, that opening scene, one of the all-time greatest opening scenes in the movie with the wedding, everything established there, because yeah. it just, it just builds energy. such a, it just, and it just builds such a great foundation, because all the horrors that come afterwards, you have the basis of everything you saw at that wedding, the memory of that, of like, connecting you and grounding you to these people. Um, 
the uh, what I'll talk about is what a miracle it is that this movie even exists. And I think Francis Ford Coppola deserves like an all-time MVP that he got this movie made the way it was made. Like the studio was against it from the beginning. Like they were gonna they. Pacino was on his way out. Pacino was basically fired. He was off the movie. They got him back. They wanted to fire the cinematographer. There was so much that was against this movie. They thought this movie was going to take. It was going to be just a complete disaster. And, you know, the, the fact that he stuck with his vision and created, like, the greatest movie of all time is just amazing to me. Uh, this is, uh, this is, yeah, I mean, you guys are putting those quotes in the, so many great, it's so <laughs> infinitely quotable. Um, even beyond like the the stereotypical quotes you hear all the time, just so many great moments and characters. Um, yeah, I, I just yeah, just how it goes from like the the time it spans, the space it t- how it goes from New York to Sicily to Vegas, and uh, you know and to, uh, to Hollywood. Just get you, you get all the, all the moments in every one of those uh, places. Uh, oh, it's so good. Uh, Scott was the only one who had this. Everybody else, apologies, uh, excuses. Uh- Let's yeah, I obviously I really like this movie because uh, I just like the Godfather too a little bit more. But it's funny that you say that it's perfect. You keep saying it's perfect, but uh, you even said it's technically perfect. And uh, I think the movie has a glaring flaw, and that's the like sound, the uh, sound design, the talking in this movie is all like dubbed over, and it's very, it gets very strange sometimes. And although I still I get why you call it a perfect movie, but that is like a weird thing about this uh for 1972 the sound sounds uh much worse than a much cheaper movie like um mean streets that scorsese made like a year later which has like almost modern sounding uh sound compared to this on such a low budget um but yeah i like this movie (laughs) i'm gonna channel my inner nazario i've only seen godfather part two what the fuck (laughs) I am not into gangster films. I'm sorry. I think it could cure, could cure you, uh, Rude. Like I was saying, I, I just feel like doesn't really, this just throw out all every the genres, throw it all out. It's just a movie. Yeah, it definitely I, transcends. I, I will watch it. I will watch it one day. I might actually have the time now because I don't have to watch geek movies. So I just think it's super interesting how society just like yeah, we can agree that this is the best movie ever made. Like how that's just like a normal consensus opinion. I don't think that this is a favorite movie. I don't want to sit down and watch this because it's 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 long and it's just like murder and crime and stuff. It's just like yeah, not my bag. Uh, I get it though. It's a good movie. Uh, I, I it gets better the more I think about it. I don't love watching it, but I prefer like thinking about it. If that makes sense. Like I prefer analyzing it than like taking it as a whole experience. Calling your favorite of all time, Kirk. I think it's a little weird or two or three, or whatever. But like. <laughs> I'm already losing this week. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I have nothing to lose now. Yes, you do, because I know how you really feel about this movie, and I know you're holding back. No, you're, I here's, know here's, you're here's, holding back. Here's the thing, Kirk. After watching Godfather Part Two, I gained an appreciation for this because I was like, "Wow, it really didn't need. It didn't really didn't need an extra half hour of story to tell." Like, I appreciate the two forty more than the three twenty. Kind of fucking deep cut right those questions, Kirk. <laughs> it was pain. <laughs> you're welcome. Fuck you. <laughs> All right, Spence. Well, let's see what you got, Spence. What's your number 22? I'm going to tell you about a movie about me and also Earl and also a dying girl. <laughs> this rules. Uh, I just, I love the idea of telling a, a movie about a filmmaker, but not about like 
a real filmmaker about like the movies they made, or someone like aspiring to be a great. He's making parody movies, and they're fucking dumb, and I love it. Uh, <laughs> I stand by. I really want a team name that's like it's that's like Pooping Tom, or uh, three or oh, what is what is it? Three Sixteen Cowboy or whatever. It, it has like this weird like quirky charm to it that I think like the mid twenty tens had a grasp on like quirky coming of age stories, but also has like this really strong like heart drama to it about just like a dude is not really like comfortable expressing his emotions, which is why he takes like like the comedy or not serious approach to filmmaking, and then finally when faced with something like truly like worldly and pain, he just doesn't know how to process it, and that's his like his, his journey in the film, sort of confronting that. And I think Thomas Mann is someone who's, like, not the most interesting actor. He's a pretty good lead character. I love R.J. Seiler. Olivia Cook fucking carries the shit out of this movie. She's fantastic. Even, like, in, even like in, like, a very plain performance, I think she adds a lot to it. I especially love the uh, contrasting, like, the first scene in the school. I love this so much. Uh, I also, like, shout say uh, thank you, Michael, and shout out to uh, Paul. I also read the book on this. I use this example of, and uh, I, I think it's a movie that like I don't think the ending is perfect, but like I like how it's changed from the book from a little bit like it was like pretty concrete there to now it's like a little bit more open ended. It's one that I feel like when I revisit it, I like it more, especially like as I watch more coming of age films, I come back to it, it's like hey, this is actually like uh, a step above the genre, and I'm glad I started here. Uh yeah, where's Paul? At? Paul said I hate teens. I like this movie. I just watched this. I didn't see this. I watched it this week. I really enjoyed yeah. this. Um, yeah. I like the, the the whole like filmmaking thing about it. I love his relationship uh, with Earl. I think Earl's Earl's a great character. He's hilarious. Um, and I just I love like as the movie goes on and they're forced to get more serious. Like how Earl becomes, you know, more of his character comes out. Uh, great supporting cast. Like the adults that like uh, Molly Shannon's great. Uh, what's his name? Ron Swanson, his dad, is fantastic. Um, another, yet another great ten minutes of John Bernthal screen time. Uh, he's 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 fantastic. His little role, yeah, um, English. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just a sweet story um, about this this friend. And again, it's like another movie about a platonic friendship. Uh, and again, I don't want to spoil anything or say too much about it if you haven't seen it. Um, but it's a, uh, yeah, I, and it's a Pittsburgh movie. That's everything. I didn't realize it was a Pittsburgh movie. So definitely extra points for that. Yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I had a good time with this one. Well, I mean, it's good. At, I don't want to say too much. Everybody else on Mural and Dying Girl. I saw this, uh, in theaters once. I don't remember much from it, but I do remember that it was good, that it is emotional um, and my favorite thing that I definitely remember is that Bob A.J. Thompson comes back older, the black kid from Role Models. He is in this movie. And I was like, hey, <laughs> he's back. And I remember that. And I remember loving it. And I also remember R.J. Seiler uh, being pretty dope, especially as Kirk said, especially as the movie goes on. Uh, he, 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 uh, he gets real. He gets very real. So uh, it was a cool movie. Yeah, I also saw this in theaters and liked it uh, and haven't seen it since then. I remember, yeah, I remember R.J. Seiler being like hilarious, just like cracking up at some of his parts of the movie. I will say, though, that this movie's legacy for me is not a good one because it, it will forever haunt me as the movie that cost me my very first Warzone match uh, against one Adam Collins. If I uh, if I had 
said leukemia instead of lymphoma, uh, some some things might have gone very differently in history. That's all I'll say. <laughs> That's two dread members who have lost a match on lymphoma. Then. <laughs> yeah, it's I a cancer. I like this movie. Nice. <laughs> I'll give you that one, Scott. That's it, Jake. Yeah, I said I think the movie's nice. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't have strong feelings. It's time to cut thing. out the cancer. Oh my! Uh, <laughs> nice. Amaru, what is your number twenty-two? Uh, it is come back around from a previous yikes. It is catch me if you can. I love this film. Uh, I, I love the cat and mouse game between Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio. I love the supporting uh, supporting role from uh, Christopher Walken. There's a mouse churns butter. That's about as best as Christopher Walken impression I could do. Um, uh, th- just being able to see Leo. Uh, yes, Amy Adams in this film. Uh, Eddie Adam- Amy Adams needs a lot more appreciation in general. Can somebody give her an Oscar, please? Um, and uh, just seeing him going from from one, I, I much appreciate it much more. The teacher first, and then the pilot, uh, and then the lawyer, and then the doctor, or whatever that order is towards the end. Um, it's just, it's so much fun, but it also has a lot of weight, and 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 you really get to to get into why Frank A. Abagnale got into what he got into, and the love, the frenemy relationship between Leo and Tom Hanks. Um, as it grows throughout the movie and towards the end of the movie, when he uh, Frank Abagnale becomes a part, um, uh, starts to to teach people how to to catch blank checks, um, and it just it's such just a fun, really really good, really uh, low key emotional, but covered with all of of everything you love uh, about the film, and and it just has so many great scenes. Uh, I can't remember what the joke is specifically, but Tom Hanks' one joke in the film is hilarious when it comes up. Uh, I really like the scene when they first see each other um, and and um, Frank has to pretend to be the agent and he tricks Tom, uh, Tom Hanks' uh, character, Hanratty, tricks Hanratty into, into believing that. Um, it's, it's just a, a good film from front to back with great performances um, and, and a lot of weight to it. I like this movie. I respect uh, this movie. Uh, oh, who else had this? David? I had this. Uh, 69. Oh, I'm at 68. So I can go oh, first. Okay. <laughs> this is my favorite Spielberg. Uh, it is super fun and super watchable. I think DiCaprio is great. Hanks is great. Rue said everything that I was going to say. But I also won't be doing Christopher Walken impression, but he's awesome in this. Yes, he is. And yes, uh, two mice. Drowned in a bucket of cream. When I kicked so hard, it turned to butter. <laughs> okay, yes. Uh, I uh, I think you guys have a thing. Because didn't you both have Clueless and 10 Things uh, I Hate About You? I did not have Clueless. I, I did have 10 I, I was the only one that had Clueless. Okay, because there's a, a theme here of like uh, creepy character act- or, or intense character actors playing really sweet fathers. In these movies so maybe look into that like uh but yeah i really love christopher walken in this movie too i agree that it's like i think there's something special about uh maybe casting using an actor in that way who's capable to go to 
such uh, give such a warm performance, but they usually don't. And uh, yeah, I think this is my favorite John Williams score. Actually, I love the way it it's fun and deeply, deeply sad at the same time, which is something that's very hard to pull off. And uh, yeah, great movie. He just wanted the eclair, man. Give him the eclair. Scott, you didn't have it, did you? I did not. Okay. Um, like I started to say, I, I like this movie. I respect this movie. I don't connect it to it with the way a lot of other people do. Uh, it's not my favorite uh, Hanks and Spielberg collaboration. Uh, it's fun. It's enjoyable. Uh, but like I said, I just, I just don't have that connection that uh, some other folks do. Uh, Scott, what are your thoughts on it? It's been so long since I've seen this movie, and I really regret that because it's definitely one that deserves a revisit. I'm sure I would. I mean, I really liked it at the time. I'm sure I would still really like it. Um, I don't know about like favorite Spielberg or anything. I, I don't. We're not going there. It's still to come for me. But um, yeah, I, I think the movie is really good um, and deserves a rewatch. Uh, at number. No, uh, hold on. Twenty-two. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Wait, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it is your turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does the show? Uh, <laughs> yeah, at, at number twenty-two. Uh, I sorry, I I beat, I raced you there. Uh, <laughs> a matter of life and death. Because uh, uh, I am a smart. Okay, but what's the I movie? Be... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I like picking. Unacceptable. Uh, it's uh, the lightest Powell and uh, Pressburger movie that I've seen. Like, I, I, it's most enjoyable for me personally. Uh, I compare the vibe to somewhere between, like, honestly, The Wizard of Oz and It's a Wonderful Life, somewhere in between there. Um, I think that, uh, so basically it's about a, a British pilot uh, in World War II and his, uh, as his plane is crashing, he makes a connection um with a radio girl on the ground and they like um they kind of like hit it off as the plane is crashing and um heaven somehow through a clerical error era error sorry um like misses uh taking his soul to heaven so uh they come back to find him on earth but he's already fallen in love with this uh radio girl and like heaven has like very specific laws about how uh <laughs> um interfering with love and the the whole thing is uh just hilarious definitely soul steals a lot from it it's it's a hard movie to pitch it's metaphysical it's like dogma also kevin smith's dogma any movie where like heaven is like a giant office or uh like an airport or whatever and it ends in a, a big court scene uh with the incredible old-fashioned special effects and beautiful technicolor it's a great movie uh, yeah, I watched this for the first time for the show. I really don't know too much about it. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it's kind of like British Capra. Uh, it has that, that vibe to it. Uh, but I, I love that you mentioned, I really love that, like, that there's like old style effects they used and, the, and like the, the color go from color to black and white. I thought it was interesting that they used like color, like earth was color and heaven was black and white. Um, I thought that was a pretty interesting choice. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a fun little movie. Uh, hey, anybody else see this one? Nope. <laughs> Never nah. All right. Uh, so we're going to go to everybody's top movie for the night. Started with Scott with number 21. 
All right. Well, this was my hint for the night. Rue kind of already spoiled it because he had the movie a few minutes ago, but uh, it's The Social Network. That's what that was. Mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg's flip flops. Um, this I don't know what it says about the, me, but this is probably like my most quoted movie in like daily life. Um, probably it might not say good things. I don't know. But uh, like um, now the shoe is on the other table, which is turned. Uh, is something that I love saying. Also, the whole, when he says like, um, well, I guess that would be the first time that someone's lied under oath. Like, that's such a great joke format, honestly, to, you know, say that about something that clearly always happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the writing in this movie is is incredible by Aaron Sorkin. It, it, it probably is his finest work, even if it's not my favorite, and my, you know, number one favorite of his projects. But um it's weird and michael was talking about how we've talked about movies that are basically 90 percent made up i mean this is another one like the actual facts of how facebook recreated it pretty different from how it's portrayed in the movie and yet weirdly enough especially as time has gone on right as 11 years have gone on since this movie came out i think the movie tells a truer story than the actual true story of how facebook was created because um it's a story about this you know narcissistic white guy the horny white guy basically who suddenly has you know society in his fist um and i think especially in recent years time has proven that to be a powerful and sad image but you know very realistic one um that yeah just out of sexual frustration basically just makes this website and it becomes you know the the greatest social media platform, the way that we, you know, communicate with each other. The reason we're all here on this call today, probably, we probably would not be here today doing this if it wasn't for Facebook. Let's be, let's be honest. Um, so yeah, again, even though it's not really the true story of how Facebook was created, um, it, it's, it is a true story to be sure. Um, this, this story has played out in a lot of other formats Jesse Eisenberg, I think, is perfect for the role of Mark Zuckerberg. Like, he has the perfect neuroses about him. I know Kirk doesn't really like the performance, but um, I think this is this is the role that was he was born to play. Um, Andrew Garfield, probably the best performance, though. Um, you know, every <laughs> the iconic rant when he goes off in in the the office at the end is is so good. Um, Justin Timberlake, again, another one who's he's not like an amazing actor or anything, but he's perfectly cast in the role. Uh, I quoted it there at the start, but the underrated scene in this movie is him is the scene between him and Dakota Johnson, which just has some hilarious dialogue in it. Again, the now the shoe is on the other table and just the whole like introduction of him as Sean Parker is perfect. Like Sean Parker invented Napster. Nice to meet you. Um, you know, just that the dialogue just crackles the whole movie. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's a nice moment of, you know, optimism in the end that it tries to maybe find some sort of humanity in Mark Zuckerberg. Now, again, maybe that's the one thing about the movie that hasn't aged that well, that maybe Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have any humanity. Maybe we've seen that, but, um, yeah, this is one of those movies that this is one of the few movies, you know, from the 2010s, it's one of those time capsule movies, right? Like in, you know, 50 years from now. You know, you're going to when you're wanting to know, like, what was a 2010s film? What is a defining film of the 2010s? This is going to be one of the ones on the list. Um, it's it's a brilliant movie. It's incredibly smart, but it's also just so fun to watch and watchable 
way more watchable than this story should be. Um, and I think the the writing, the direction, you know, I'll shut up in a second, but David Fincher, like, I, you know, that's the thing about Sorkin. I think the reason the script works so well is because he has somebody like David Fincher to rein him in. I think Sorkin is probably at his best when he has a capable director, when he has, a you know, a, a really capable director who can rein in some of his more extravagant, um, you know, instincts like a Rob Reiner or a David Fincher. And Fincher shows off here, like the rowing scene is beautiful to watch as well. And that's all Fincher right there. So um, amazing movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, the score's good. Uh, yeah, Resident Ross uh, are dope on the um, on the score. I I just really love Aaron Sorkin as a writer. Mostly anything he does, I am very much into. People hate – a lot of people don't like the show The Newsroom. I love that show. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. I do too. And you get actors that <laughs> like can actually deliver his line the way – that way. And a director, as you said, who can rein it in. I absolutely love Social Network. Scott kind of said everything about it. Uh, just – um, Army Hammer also um, as the as the twins, um, very believable as two different people in the role. Just a great, great, a, a good Aaron Sorkin uh, written movie that's reined in by David Fincher, scored very, very beautifully and acted to perfection. Um, last year, I had the um, I'm coming back for everything scene in my top ten teens of the 2010s. Um, it's great, and I had the yeah. opening scene. Yeah, so. Uh, love this one. Anybody else have this? Okay, yeah. This is another one I've talked about a lot, but what holds me back from it, yeah, you're right, Scott. Uh, not just the performance, but uh, Eisenberg in general, I'm not a fan of that guy. Um, I think he is perfect to play Zuckerberg, but for all the wrong reasons and for reasons that don't make people want to watch the movie. Um, and yeah, the fact that they try to, like, I don't know if you want to say redeem him, but the way they humanitize him at the especially now and i think that's probably the movies i think they jumped the gun in making this movie i think like the like zuckerberg was still in his the first act of his life when they made this movie they tried to tell the whole story and there's obviously a lot more going on there um i'm hit or miss with sorkin again i again it comes to that i don't think uh eisenberg is a great actor for sorkin dialogue i just don't think he has the skill set to uh pull that off uh and i'm not even reading the comments because i know paul's going off right now um <laughs> but uh yeah it just again there's a couple of things that hang up for me but the, the supporting cast is great um and for me rue you hit on the head i think army hammer is the mvp everybody talks about uh, garfield i think army hammer is great as playing the two different characters um i think there's so much nuance between those two and just like what they want to do, what they're trying to do. And I just love to see like, I broke your 200 year old do doorknob. Um, and you're just like, I'm, 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 I'm six to 200 pounds. There's two of me. And there's like, two of me. <laughs> so, so, so many great, they have, he, are, they, he has so many great lines in this movie. Um, he's my favorite part of it. Uh, so that would leave. Oh yeah. Spence Jake. and Jake who did not have <laughs> this. So yeah, this, this is a very meta film. <laughs> nice. jokes. Yeah, no, I this, this is a great movie. Uh, I I really love it. It's just a film that I don't think I've taken in enough to be in the top 100. It honestly could be because I I really do love the performances you did. You you shout out Eisenberg. 
Uh, Hammer takes a really big bite out of these just two rolls, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you beat me to it. Here we go. No, God, please, no, no, no! Fucking God. Workshop in that one for 30 minutes since we brought it back. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, just, this is a really great movie, and I fully respect this on your top 100. Yeah, I, I really like this movie. I think it's uh, very good. And I also think that Mark Zuckerberg is a good man, and we should all respect him for connecting us and bringing us closer together. <laughs> all right. The chip is malfunctioning. <laughs> uh, Spence, you're 21 for the night. Uh, bringing back uh, the French lesbians this week. Fortunately, not fire. Nice. This is a banger movie. One of the best of 2019. My favorite foreign language one of 2019. Uh, but really, this all really comes down to two things. I think it tells such like an incredible love story in honestly a pretty short runtime. When so much of the film isn't even them like together, it's like this this quiet, just like foreboding nature of like how do they feel about each other? And they're not even like explicitly stating that. They are into each other until everything happens. It's just the longing glances and the way that she, that, um, I'm like, I'm full of names, so I don't fuck anything up. It's just the, the way that they look at each other is so engaging. Like, so when, 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 uh, Marianne is just looking at Eloise as like trying to paint her and the way that she just lingers on every part of her face, it's just like this, this, this inherent, like, erotic nature, honestly. Just like, there, there's, uh, Celine Sciamma understands just like the interest and the intrigue in the in the human body. And I think she photographed it really well. But also, this is my favorite ending of a film ever, period. I have thought about it and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be so recency biased. No, I've watched the ending so many fucking times. Just it's just like the 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 lingering nature of like it was it was the first love, but she will never let it go away. And just finding page 28 and then finally the last scene, the last fucking scene of just sitting with Adele Hanel and her just weeping is beautiful. Nothing has ever been better. And the fact that Celine Sciamma did this is incredible. If you don't like this, I physically cannot understand this is a masterpiece. So I hadn't seen this yet, and I had wanted to because, you know, just all the rave, everything about it. Um, finally, you know, this show gave me a chance to watch it. Um, I really wanted to like it. I was so bored. Um, I just... <laughs> it looks and great. like three and a half hour fucking movies. <laughs> Where stuff happens. I'm sorry, but faraway glances and pursed lips is not character development, and that's all the first hour of this movie is. Um, oh and by the time anything started happening between the two of them, I didn't care because the movie had not done anything for me. Um, I, yeah, it, like I said, it's great looking, and there's some great ASMR with the 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 the, the, the painting. Uh, what's her name? The the actress that plays her mom. I, I forget her name, um, but it was really cool to see her again because like, I haven't seen her in a movie in like 20 years. 
Uh, but yeah, I was just so I was I was I was really bored for most of this movie. Um, I mean, it's not like I said, it's not a terrible movie, but I mean, like top fifteen all time letterbox. That's insane. Uh, but it's yeah, it's that's motherfucker. That's, Don't miss no. Everybody else. Fuck you, Kyle. Everybody else saw this movie. Okay, oh, yeah. Michael, are you trolling me? Because Michael knows, I think, that I have the embarrassing, embarrassing admission to make that I tried to. I started this movie like a year ago, and I didn't. It was just not the right time, and I have not ever finished it. Now, motherfucker, don't miss. It's it's not because I think it's a bad movie. Again, it just. It, it wasn't the right time or anything it's it, it is my kind of movie so i really i think i would really like it if i go back to it yeah of course you are michael um i just i this is it like i i hate having to keep bringing this up on shows so i just gotta watch the damn movie and get it over with i'm sure i'm gonna like it oh uh, yeah i uh get i understand what uh you're saying uh kirk about the uh, it being kind of like slow and distant and uh, not um, feeling emotionally attached to the characters. But uh, I, I think that by the end of the movie, that ending actually just works like a, a, a fucking wrecking ball on me. And it made me realize I had all of these suppressed feelings that were built up and tears just like poured out of my fucking face. Like I didn't know the movie was as effective as it was until it like hit me with that. I think that is one of the reasons why I, I could get behind it being one of the best endings ever. Because you take that ending out of the movie, and I don't think the movie works. Never seen this film. Scott, I absolutely blame you for not being able to get through it. Because at that first no, hour, it's, I was... It's not that. It's not was, that. I don't think I'm going to ultimately be on your side about it, Kirk. But three days, no, Kirk. but I, I that's, mean... That's why I, hate, that's why I hate telling the story. Because I come off as, you know, as that being my opinion. And I don't really think that would be my opinion if I went back to it. No, but I mean, it's... it's That that, that first hour of this movie is dull. Um, all right, moving on to Aburu with your number 21. All right, uh, this is the one I was worried about. We'll see how this goes, but you know what? I love this movie to death. It's Clue. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Talking about Aaron Sorkin, this made me realize if Aaron Sorkin wrote a comedy, this would be the comedy he wrote. This mm. is just back to back to back to back to line after line after line of characters just being able to go off of each other. Uh, Scott talked about, like, y'all talked about Airplane throwing a whole bunch of jokes against the wall, and, and Kirk thinks none of them works. He may not think any of these works, but he'd be wrong on this one. They all work. Every single line of dialogue in this film is perfect. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, Tim Curry at his most delicious, um, freaking uh, Martin Mull, Flames on the side of my face, Madeline Kahn, they are all hilarious hilarious in this movie um the 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 multiple endings just this movie has been talked about enough and railed against enough but it is one of the funniest movies ever uh it is it is very just very quick you get in there you get out of there but you remember all of the uh, all of the um characters 
you remember all of the moments. So many just just lines. Two plus two plus one plus one. One plus two plus one plus one. Just so many quotable moments. And the mystery is fun with one of the best closing lines ever. I'm going to go home to sleep with my wife. After all movie, Mr. Green was talking about how he does that. It's just so perfect. This movie is so good. Kirk, are you wrong? No, I'm not wrong. And you should know how this goes. This movie is yes, not, you are wrong. not great. Um, I've talked again. This is another one I've ranted about a lot. Uh, my problem with this movie is we talked about Tarantino earlier about how he elevates genre. Um, I think this movie takes genre like 1940s, like slapstick, uh, comedy and does nothing with it. It's like all these actors are just playing dress up and just like repeating stuff they've heard in other movies. Um, I don't think it's completely unfunny. I don't sit there like this the whole time I watch it with a scowl on my face. I mean, there are some entertaining moments, but for the most part, it just doesn't do anything for me. Um, and that that ending where they're running through and redoing everything, that is such a slog. That takes forever. So and funny. I'm so bored by the end of it. Um, so, yeah. Again, this is the one I've read about a lot, so I won't go on too long. Everybody else on Clue. This I haven't movie seen it. Is... <sighs> go see it. <laughs> go this see it. Is... This movie is really I will, good. I, I really enjoy it. That being said, I will never think it's a truly great film because a movie where you can have three different endings is not a good screenplay. When there are so many solutions to a problem, there isn't really an ending. It's just a, let's leave everything. It's it's like a plot twist where it's just like, it's not set up. So it's a great twist. It doesn't really fucking work like that. It's a board game. It's very true. It's a board game. You can definitely tell this is a movie based on a role. The point of a board game is that anybody can be the killer. So what better way to translate that to a movie and say, do multiple ones. Come on. The movie's good. It's four stars. It just doesn't fucking work fundamentally when your ending could be replaced and you wouldn't even know. (laughs) <laughs> and, and okay, one last thing. If you did watch it, you did see that they say that's how it could have ended. There is one ending to the movie, period. They just go through all three. And so the fact that they did ending. different different screenings with different endings, brilliant. Brilliant way you're to put that in. Your fan zone, motherfucker. You're going against your own point. <laughs> the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. No, not at all. We were going to be at a three and a half hours tonight. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. 21 is the Phantom Menace. Um, (laughs) I, I, this is one of those movies, like, I watched it as a kid a few times, enjoyed it enough as a kid, but now having, you know, being in this community, it just keeps coming up as, like, one of people's favorite movies, and I'm just like, huh? Like, I I guess I need to go back and watch it, because, again, it's another one that's been a long time, but I, I don't know. It was never something to me that, like, is... You know, I, I would understand to be one of people's like favorite movies. It's a good time. Uh, I like when the singing telegram person gets shot or whatever, or gets killed or whatever at the end. Right. But uh, pretty funny. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of confused by this one still being being so talked about. But I guess I just need to watch it again. I just want to point out for Adelaide, the end of this movie doesn't work, but it's four stars, not on his top 100. Any of 500 Days of Summer does not work. Number 26 all time. Because one of those is a lot better and fun, and I enjoy it more. Clue is good, but not great. 
Give me last, bitch. It's mine. I'm keeping the seat warm. <laughs> Jake, take us over to your number 21. Uh, so a little behind the scenes, uh, Kirk, when there's a movie that could have like two different versions of it, he has to ask which one, which version of the movie do you mean? And my movie was Casino Royale. <laughs> Kirk thought that it was uh, possible that it was the 1963 Peter Sellers. Oh, thank <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Jake, we are Good talking point. about your list. So <laughs> I know I've been salted by this. If you think that is of a piece with the rest of my list. <laughs> it would have absolutely been in character, Jake. <laughs> Yellow face you on your fucking list, Jake. I mean, you yeah. <laughs> you only live twice, made it. Yeah, well, no. This is uh, not that. Um, so, like, they talk about, like, the reason that, like, Titanic made, like, you know, um, like, a billion dollars or whatever is because, like, uh, like 12-year-old girls were going to see that movie, like, over and over and over again. That was, like, Casino Royale for me, where I was, like, making up excuses with adults to be, like, yeah, let's go and see Casino Royale and pretending that I hadn't already watched it, like, so many times. Uh honestly uh deep down for, for that uh love story uh in the last uh beat of the movie uh even though i'm an angry little boy i it's still like it got me you know and um i actually read the book recently in the interest of this show to uh see how close it was to the movie and it is remarkably similar to the ian fleming casino royale book which is the first james bond book ever written uh, my assumption was Casino Royale was subverting a lot of the Bond tropes by um, uh, having him order an elaborate martini that he calls a, a Vespa. That's in the first James Bond book, though. I, I thought that it was undermining the torture trope where he's like uh, whipping his balls. But uh, in the in the the book, he Lashif uh, ties him up in a chair, cuts a hole in the chair, and like canes his his nutsack. It's like that's in like the old version of the. The book and the whole ending. Does Ian Fleming use the word nutsack? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I was listening to it on an audiobook, so I don't remember. Um, yeah, I'm on record. I'm not a fan of the Craig Bond. Uh, I just, and this movie starts a lot of it. I just don't feel like I'm a traditionalist, and James Bond's a certain type of guy, and what Daniel Craig here does here. Is it that? Um, I just I, I always think back to that scene. It's in this one where they have him hooked up to that thing where he like gets the heart attack, right? Is that yeah. that's a yeah? Um, just like how like messy and gross he looks in that scene, and I'm like no matter what James Bond is going through, James Bond shouldn't look like that. And I know like we're bringing like hyper realism and everything to it, but like that's again that's not part of James Bond for me. Um, another big. Uh, uh, this movie also this and quantum of solace both uh the editing is just atrocious in these movies i'm completely lost at all times like where i am and where every, you know in relation to everything else um that really takes me out of it um as an action movie in and of itself it's not bad i just don't like it as for bond uh everybody else on casino royale uh, i have to Go ahead, Ruth. Sorry. I, I love this film. Uh, I think it's the best Craig Bond film. Actually, I take that back. Skyfall I like a little better, but this one is fucking dope. 
Um, I remember going to see it in the theaters. Uh, me and my boys, my boys are not James Bond fans, uh, and we watch this movie consistently. Um, so I, I just think it's 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 great, and Mads Mikkelsen does no wrong. I have to say, I share some of Kirk's mixed feelings about Daniel Craig um, as Bond. However, this is the number one Bond movie for me. This is the best one. Um, it's so well made. I, I I agree about the editing for Quantum of Solace. I don't see that in this movie. But um, this movie, I feel like this movie is kind of like the blueprint for the you know contemporary action movies in a lot of way. Like it, it really sort of... Um, shepherded in this era of action movies where everything is a lot more serious and gritty and sometimes that works for me uh and sometimes it, it doesn't but here it, it's hard to deny for me that this is a really well done movie i think vesper is probably the best bond girl um in the franchise not that it's a high bar but i do think she is a good character um i, I the only thing that holds it back from being like perfect i I don't I don't actually love Lashif as the villain. Like Mads Mickelson is obviously great, but like I don't know, just like the whole wealthy financier like villain. They Mr. do it Green too much. Is the like, real villain. Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah, I mean that that's fair. But the whole wealthy financier villain character, they do it a little bit too much in the the Craig Bond movies. And especially when Spectre comes around and it's like, oh, these people were all just puppets the whole time of the bigger organization. That I'm sucks. Like, yeah, okay. That sucks so much yeah, shit. It's really bad. Yeah, after but looking the, back, this movie's great. Yeah. After looking back at the whole thing with including No Time to Die, the whole villain story arc is just a disaster. Yeah, it's a complete it just, mess. Yeah, yeah. That's the, the way it was set up to what it where where it started, where it ended, it's just awful. The setup um, was good. Like, yeah, the setup even was until good. Quantum of Solace, it was still yeah. working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this it's, movie it's, yeah. rules. Uh, it's maybe the best Bond film. Has very few flaws. I love it to pieces. I don't like James Bond. I fuck with this, so I can watch this any day of the week, and I'm fucking happy. Uh, mad respect, Jake. I don't get the whole. I I I, I heard with Kirk about Kirk about this on YLS before. How this is like the last Jedi of Bond films. But guess what? They're both great movies. Uh, just digging myself the whole deeper. Uh, <laughs> I love this. Love this fucking movie. All right, that's it. Uh, Spence gets to be wrong one last time before we. Uh, yeah. Uh, so let me give out uh, name your winner here. Uh, Airplane's not a good movie. Everything else, Scott Litz was killer though. Uh, just wall to wall bangers on this one. I mean, Godfather, Pulp Fiction. Surely. Paris, Texas. I mean, Paris, Texas Club is too great. First time watch from outside Paul, uh, Hollywood, Kill Bill, Rear Window. Yeah, great list. Um, some of you were had solid lists, but no one was beating that tonight. Um, number two is going to be Rue. Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Every almost everybody except Spence had like multiple movies from like my top fifty. Uh, <laughs> Inglorious Bastards, Kill Bill, The Raid, Dark Knight, uh, great list. Uh, one put thing that put you because you and Jake were neck and neck. You, I just like some of your takes better tonight. That's what put you over the top. Jake, your list wasn't bad. I think you're right on par with Rue. Um, you had again, you had Godfather two, you had Empire, you had some really uh, really strong picks there. Um, 
And then last place, of course, is Spence. Yeah. <laughs> With, Spence was on a yo-yo tonight. It was just up and down, like back and forth, like great movie, crap, great movie, crap, great movie, crap. Um, but what put you to the bottom was you just had some – like Spence came out tonight as far <laughs> as being Spence that we all know and love. Some really trash takes top to bottom on everything, his movies, everybody else's <laughs> movies. Uh, so that's what put him in the, uh, at the bottom tonight. Uh, but that's it. Um, hey, we got this done in almost under two and a half hours with everybody talking about every movie. Yes. So a little bit of a glimmer of hope for the next two episodes. Uh, we'll be no. in the teens next time. <laughs> Catch you next week. See you next time, everybody. You're not going to intimidate me. I'm entitled to my opinion. Drunk, get angry! Come on, break the lousy cup! Ow! I hurt my arm! And not expect everybody to everybody! I'm going there soon, you know. Is that so? Where are you going? Uruguay. Well, you go Uruguay and I'll go mine.